those garment sleeves and grab a rake you're listening to polygonometry this is a family podcast for and behalf of all the people who are dead basically this is a podcast where i sit down with my family members and we talk about what it's like growing up in polygamy and if you guys have been enjoying my grandpa's episode so far you're in luck this is a continuation of his story uh, we talk about how after the navy he joins the secret service during president nixon's time in the white house and that gets pretty interesting. Uh, you find out what kind of underwear he wears, or wore, rather. Uh, we also talk about how uh, he found my grandma playing hide-and-seek, like quite literally, and uh, how efficient he was at work for the dead. It's going to be a great episode. And before we get into it, I want to let you guys know that if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or anything, you can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, Gmail, all that stuff. Uh, that'd be great because we're going to be doing another ANYSR episode probably pretty quick here. Um, but I hope you guys enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy the third episode that I have with my mom's dad. So I received my uh, honorable discharge December 18th, 1963, the day before I turned 21. Honorable discharge. Oh, yes. Honorable. I, honorable, and they wanted me to reenlist. Do you mind scooting up a little bit closer to the microphone? Honorable, they wanted me to reenlist. As a matter of fact, uh, just before I got out, I wanted to become a Navy SEAL because they were getting that going. And physically, I could pass the physical exam and the endurance for physical fitness without any problem. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't read the ordinances. For the Navy SEALs? For the Navy SEALs. I mean, you got these boxes of ordinances, you know, explosives and stuff. Mm -hmm. I couldn't read it. You didn't know what you were working with. Well, I knew what I was working with. I knew I'd go boom, boom, but I didn't know what it was. I couldn't read it. <laughs> if someone asked you to go grab something, you wouldn't know what it was. <laughs> I might bring them the wrong thing. In other words, it wasn't going to work. Sure, sure. I wasn't that, uh, wasn't that educated at that time. So yeah, that was out. And I was going to, if I would have qualified, I would have made a career out of the Navy. Yeah. And, I, and I'd have probably been a Navy SEAL. I think I'd have got through buds okay. Anyway, so I'm out. I'm home. And I'm going to go into this logging camp, and I'm going to be a logger. Mom takes me to Seattle, and I go to work for Bethlehem Steel. Mm -hmm. And I go to work on a track bike machine that was uh, converted over from steam. And it was a track bike machine for making railroad spikes from back in 1886. Big old leather strap on it and everything. And they converted it to power, so it would run off electricity. Okay. Big furnace, and so I started off as a heater. Anyway, I worked that. And uh, I still had a little bit of a wild hair in me. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, October 1964, I think it was October, uh, I'm at a Halloween party. And I gaze over to my left, and here was this pretty lady, and she was with a friend. Yeah. And uh, I was wrestling with Cole. His name was Cole, and it was his house. And as a matter of fact, he was the one that invited this lady named Pat. 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 Patricia. Patricia. Gotcha. Patricia Warner. Okay. And uh, so 
I'm wrestling with him. And I remember I threw him down on the couch. He was kind of a big guy. I threw him down on the couch, and I, and they were just goofing off. We all had a couple beers. Sure. And I, so you're and, messing around. Yeah, and, and we had what they call the type of, uh, we stacked these uh, um, record players, records on this little deal, and they'd automatically drop down and sure. and play. Like a jukebox? It was, no, it wasn't a jukebox. It was... Oh, I forget how they—they they were about this big around. They had it all like this, and you put it in, and it was all—it was all the modern tunes and everything else for the okay, gotcha early, for the early '60s, and the new new song come on, and it was uh, Johnny Cash song, I think, or something. Okay, my, my favorite. I turned around, I looked at her, and I said, "Would you like to dance?" She got the big smile on her face. She says, "Yeah, yeah." Man, I picked her up. I put her arms, her feet. I don't think touched the ground. You're flinging her around. Oh yeah, we went. He had a hardwood floor. You know, oh yeah, to dance on. You're going for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you and Patricia are are dosy doing, swinging around. Oh, you're just having the time of your life at this Halloween party. Yeah, and then did you have a costume? No, no, no. no? It was just a regular party, no costumes. Okay. And I just remember her and her friend were kind of sitting I, uh, off to the, my left, and I after I threw coal on the couch or something, yeah. and, I, and I turned around and said, would you like to dance? Because a new record just came on. Yeah, and so the music just has started. Just started. The timing was perfect, and it was a real fast beat type music. Sure, so you're, you're, you're swinging her around. And so I get her, and I'm swinging her around. So we started dating. I, start, I remember I'd go to, I got, went to work, and I says, I'm dating a college graduate. Ha, ha, ha. You know, I <laughs> Here I am, Mr. Illiterate, you know, learned well, to read from a... I didn't tell her I was illiterate or anything. I learned to read from a Japanese but, librarian. But I was in love. Yeah. I was in love. And I, I really, I thought, now she could really do things for me. You know, I can learn this and I can learn that. She's a college graduate. I mean, that was something that was just... Lofty. Well, I was like trying to go going to Mars. I just made it to Mars or something, you know. Well, anyway, and I'm not going to get in. I'll let David, uh, my son, get into the details on, on everything. But um, yeah, we got married. Okay. And David was close to a year old, and everything went south. Between you and Patricia. Yeah, everything went south. Okay. And I don't want to. I it's it's I don't I don't feel comfortable really going into. That's totally fine. All of that. No worries. It went south. Okay. okay. And uh, I lost my little boy. Yeah. And I started drinking and fighting. During that time? Uh, after I lost him, yeah. Yeah. And then I I got into it with, with a couple of men and got beat up pretty bad one night. Okay. And I got stacked up against Red, Tever, Red, uh, Red Feather Tavern down on, down on the... Uh, Forget the name of the. What was the name of that bridge, David, going across from West Seattle? Duwamish. Duwamish, yeah. Duwamish River. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a tavern down down there. There called the Red Feather. I got stacked up this one night pretty bad, and uh, so I knew I had to do something because I can remember being in the shower, and I could see the the blood was starting to hydrate that I had. My my face was just a mess. Yeah, my eye was almost swollen shut. I got I got beat up pretty bad, and I knew I had to do something. So I thought about it and I thought about it and gave it some thought. And I I was out scuba diving, and uh, 
my J valve got caught and and uh, you had a strap that came through your crotch and that came loose and my my uh, wetsuit filled up and uh, I ran out of oxygen and my buddy we were buddy diving and he he gave me air and we buddied up to the surface and sure and, so your uh, scuba equipment short or not shorted out but well, basically. you have a J valve back then yeah and the J valve you, and you could pull it down and it'll give you extra air to get you up to the surface because you got a you got to stop every at, at every atmosphere you have to stop to recalibrate yeah your, yeah the yeah nitrogen in your in your system sure and uh, that had got stuck open and I didn't realize it so I'm sucking dry yeah and he was below me and I managed to reach down and grab his heel on his you know and he turned around and about that time I had ruptured my sinuses because I was going down so quick and Oh, okay, so you're you're not doing well, and you need yeah. Anyway, you needed to ascend. Yeah, I needed to ascend, and and we and we had to stop at different ha- atmospheres because we were down there around anywhere somewhere between ninety and a hundred feet. I mean, we were at our limit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, I got to surface and everything was fine, but during all that, I a uh, little bit of hyperthermia set in, and I ended up with pneumonia. Okay. So I'm sitting home. Mom's coming over every night or every other night nursing me and got my own little apartment that I was sharing with this other guy, Don Ellingson. And so I started reading the Bible. And I could read just, a little Just bit. out of boredom? Just out of boredom? I or had to do something, yeah. So I picked up the Bible. Occupy your time. I started, I started reading the Bible, and I was just kind of going through it as slow, and it took me forever, and I finally got to Abraham. And I knew I had to. I knew I had to straighten myself up. So you were drinking a lot. You were fighting. Oh, yeah. You had been in a few tussles. Oh, yeah, you yeah, wanted yeah, some yeah, some yeah, stability, yeah. some foundation. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, so I went and got all my tobacco, and I flushed it down the toilet. This is your smoking tobacco, or your yep. Ch- okay? Yep, I was smoking uh, Lucky Strikes in. Okay. Or um, Camels, I forget which. Sure. And I tore them up, flushed them down the toilet, and then I had some uh, Sir Walter Raleigh pipe tobacco, and my mom had bought me a whalebone pipe, and I broke the pipe and threw it in the garbage and uh, flushed all the um, cigarette tobacco. And then I took a fifth Cutty Sark Scotch whiskey and dumped that down the sink and Dumped a couple six-pack of beer down the sink. Got my roommate really ticked off at me over all that. Yeah, and throwing away all your vices. And then I called up my sister, Linda, and yeah. I uh, told her to uh, take me to a different church every Sunday. A different church, meaning one church respective of every Sunday. Like you would go to this yeah. church this Sunday, a different church this Sunday, a different yeah. church that Sunday. Okay, gotcha. So I'm mm-hmm. going to a different church every Sunday. You're shopping. Shopping. Because I want something that's going to turn my life around. Yeah. I want to get married again. I want a family. Mm-hmm. And I want a family bad. And I lost Pat, and that hurt me and, uh, in a sense, and, and I lost my little boy. Yeah. So I am uh, i didn't really lose him. I knew in the back of my head that uh, something was going to happen in the future and things were going to patch up, but I knew it wasn't going to happen. Without you know, coming him. back to... Well, he was... He couldn't... He couldn't... How could I have him alone? He wasn't even... He's barely a year old, you know. Yeah. 
And uh, what am I going to do? I'm sitting here in this bachelor pad with another bachelor guy. Yeah. You know, what can I do for him? Mm-hmm. So anyway, and it was it's a different story on how Pat and I come around. Sure. That. So sure. anyway, I, uh, I saw this church across the street from where my mom and my sister lived. They lived in Burien Gardens there in Burien, suburb of Seattle. Okay. And I thought, I'll never go. To, I told my sister, I said, I'll never go to that church. I said, it's a synagogue, and I don't want to be Jewish. Now, now there's Jewish blood on our side. My, my grandma even spoke a little bit of Yiddish. Okay. Um, so what turned you off to going to synagogue? If you go to church every day. Parking lot was full. Chris, the parking lot was full every so, single day. So you didn't want to go to Jewish synagogue because the parking of lot was full every day. The time commitment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not All right. Into this. You know. I'm, okay. And, and I don't know. You know. I thought it was a synagogue. Yeah. So so this goes on for a couple a couple Sundays, and I go to a different church. I remember going to the Lutheran church. And it was kind of dark, and I see this, uh, see the, the Savior, Jesus Christ, hanging on this cross, and, and he's got blood dripping down from this wound on his side. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, i got to sit here and look at this all day long. Okay. So my sister, I said, I don't want to go to this church. I yeah. I it was a Lutheran church. And I said, give me a, you know, find me a church where a man isn't dying on a cross or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's always something that I've been thinking about, too. Um, I remember reading somewhere, I can't remember where, but they said if if Jesus was born two thousand years later, or no, if Jesus was born eighteen hundred years later, everyone would be wearing a noose around their neck instead of a cross. And eight hundred eight hundred years earlier than when he was. No, eighteen hundred years later than when he was, oh, okay. then people would be wearing a noose around their neck instead of a cross. Okay. So it's a very graphic image to go and just kind of like look at every Sunday and talk about and. I mean, I have my own stories about almost being expelled for looking too much like Jesus, but um, I remember uh, a certain. <laughs> yeah, it, it but, really caught my fancy. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, so, so you didn't want to. You didn't want to stare at bloody Jesus. Well, and things. It wasn't. I had a testimony of Jesus. Okay, so it, tell me. It, tell me about that. It. That's very specific because you had this testimony of of Jesus before you were avid churchgoer to a certain degree i did because there was this so what was that testimony i knew i knew that i had i knew that i had a savior out there i did, wasn't quite sure i i saw it as abraham right at first and i went looking for an abraham okay as a matter of fact when i started looking for a church um well i grew up going to um <laughs> mom mom was very creative School's out. What am I going to do with this boy? And you got all this energy and everything else. Oh, guess what? The Nazarene Church down here, or the Methodist Church down here, they're having the summer camps and the summer. Yeah, things. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So shove you off to to some other people's. I was, you know, that. Well, it was actually good for me because it gave you something to do. And yeah, those camps yeah. were good. They're very moral. Yeah, upstanding and everything. And so I wasn't that. And then Mrs. Peach played a big part in my life when I was a little boy. Mrs. Peach was my grandma's best friend. Okay. In Vernonia, Oregon. They were the same, about the same age and uh, sold eggs to her and everything else. Mrs. Peach during the summertime had a Sunday school and she'd invite all those kids over there. And she, 
she had cookies, and, but she was nice. She knew how to teach. And I was a little boy that had a speech impediment and stuff, and I could remember her coming behind me and putting her hand on my shoulder and teaching me through touch and saying, you know, you see that man David? And he's slaying that lion with a slingshot to protect the sheep? Mm-hmm. He reminds me of you. Wow, somebody's taking an interest in me. So she was making those comparisons between you and David. And David, in a sense. And I'm, you know, yeah. I'm just a little boy. Yeah. But it's just the way it's, it's just the way she talked. It sounds it sounds like it resonated and with she, you. And yeah, and she taught. And my mother also would teach through pictures from the Bible and everything. Okay. And so I'm learning about this man, Jesus. Yeah. Through the Bible, and I'm seeing him on the cross and everything. But I never did. Never did really go for the cross. And I can remember saying one time, I says, my grandpa, as far as I'm concerned, was the greatest mortal on the earth next to the Savior. And so, and he died. If he got killed by being stabbed with a knife, would I carry the knife around my neck? Yeah. And so I really wasn't ever converted to, to the cross. Okay. Well, anyway... To get away from that, I didn't okay. mind just seeing a cross. That didn't offend me so much because it was a symbol. Yeah. But with the man hanging off of it kind of offended me. Well, and there's enough Jewish in my life coming up. I grew up, I didn't eat pork. Okay. Because uh, your mom has Jewish lineage, correct? My, and my grandma was half Jewish. Your grandmother was half Jewish. And my great-grandpa, Peter Horatz, who fought in the Civil War, was Jewish and an active Jew. Okay. And my grandma's sister was an opera singer, and they called her the, Be- the beautiful Jewess. Okay. I can remember sitting down next to the radio station, one of my fond memories, with my grandpa. Okay. And my grandpa would light up a smoke camel. Sure. And, uh, and of course, I come from a family of smokers. And, and, the, and the commercial that would come across on the radio was, I'd walk a mile for a camel. <laughs> yeah. I said, Grandpa, would you walk a mile for a camel? Well, he smoked camels. And, uh, of course, it's the camel picture of the camel in the desert with the pyramids behind it. Mm-hmm. On yeah, 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 yeah. But on Friday night, he'd say, okay, we get to listen to the beautiful Jewess sing her opera. And it was on the Jewish Sabbath. Okay. And it was my grandma's sister. Your grandma's sister you would hear on the radio? Yeah, on Friday nights. Wow. They're in Portland, and she was called the beautiful Jewess. She was an active Jew. Okay. And whenever she'd come over to visit Grandma, Grandma would complain, oh, my gosh, i got to make this place kosher. My sister's coming. <laughs> so she would complain about trying to make things kosher? Yeah. <laughs> my Grandma was not a practicing Jewess. <laughs> okay. Okay. She married a goy. Okay. A goy, that, that my, my grandpa. Okay. And my grandpa liked his, liked his bacon and his pork. Okay. And my grandpa would get this, buy this big slab of bacon, and he'd cut his own bacon nice and thick, and he'd cut the bacon, and he always cooked his own bacon. Okay. But my grandma was an excellent cook. Yeah. And he, he jokingly would say to me, he'd say, never let grandma cook the bacon. Don't ever let grandma cook the bacon while she burns the bacon. Don't ever let grandma cook the bacon. I cook my own bacon. Yeah. He'd cook his own bacon. Okay. I said to grandma one day, I said, grandma, how come grandpa won't let, doesn't want you to cook the bacon? And she looks at me and she smiles and she says, she says, honey, it's because I can't help but cook the pig out of it. 
the pig out of it. <laughs> and they, they loved each other. Yeah. I can yeah, remember sitting yeah. on the couch and, and grandpa walking up to grandma and <laughs> patting her on the butt or something. And one day I remember walking up and he reached around and he's pinching her boobs. And he looks, <laughs> and he looks over at me and winks. <laughs> he was trying to learn how to shoot a pistol. <laughs> anyway, that was my grandpa. I mean, and, and yeah. they loved grandma and grandpa, and she would say, "Oh, you old man, now put yeah. that." Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. they loved each other. They yeah. were uh, so it my sounds, grandma and my grandpa were the epitome of what love is. Love. So it sounds like there was a lot of affection that you oh, saw between your grandmother and grandfather. Enormous affection. Oh, that's so cool. And it's really important. Never, you never cross grandma. Yeah, with grandpa around. Oh yeah, you got you got taken down a few notches if you did. Yeah. yeah. They, they, uh, yeah, it, it uh, was a very good example. That's cool. For me to be around. That's cool. So anyway, where was I before I wandered off? You got to be careful. Your mother will tell you that I will wander. No, I, I'm following you. Some people that. Uh, where was I before I got off on my grandpa there? Where, you were talking about. Um, oh, okay. So, yes, <laughs> I'm going to a different church every Sunday. Yes, that's what I was going to okay, say. So finally one Sunday. This is important. After we'd go to church, my sister would take me to a church. This is my little sister, Linda. Mm-hmm. And we, this only happened maybe three times, I remember. And uh, we, I missed the turnoff into the Burien Gardens, and so I had to turn around where this synagogue was. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I'd never said anything to anybody. I just assumed it was a synagogue. Yeah. Because the parking lot was full. I Chris, this thing was full every day and <laughs> twice as full on Sunday. It should have been Friday evening because that's a Jewish Sabbath, but it didn't matter. I mean, I figured it was something I didn't want nothing to do with. Sure, sure. So we go in there and we turn around, and I saw this man and woman walking, and he was holding the child, and she was leading this little boy. So they had two kids. That two kids, and it might, might have been three, this was a long time ago. And I looked and I said, that's what I want. That's what I want. You wanted what he had. Yeah, I wanted what he had. A wife, two kids, loving, affectionate, church, holding hands, holding kids, hands, church. Kids, okay. church, going to the car. All right. And I said to my sister, I said, who are these people? She says, oh, they're Mormons. I said, Mormons? Then as we're going out, I'm looking at the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I says, that doesn't say Mormons. At this time now, I could read. Yeah. You know, I had read the Old Testament all the way from Genesis to to uh, uh, Abraham, and it only took me a month to do it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it took me a long time to do it because I was a slow reader, but I could sure. read. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And so, you don't... Brother, you, you really don't want anything to do with them. I said, well, maybe not. I mean, it's... So she was saying, your little sister was saying, like, you don't want anything to do with the Mormons. No, no. she was an Episcopalian. <laughs> okay. You know. Yeah. Anyway, so I go up there, and I'm sitting down, and Mom's got the dinner, Sunday dinner. We're mm-hmm. having Sunday dinner, and it's yeah. Mom and I and Linda. Mm-hmm. And I asked Mom, no, you want nothing to do with them? They got their own Bible. They got their own Bible. She says, yeah, they got the Book of Mormon. They believe in polygamy. Polygamy? I said, what's that? You know, more than one wife. And I'm, oh, well, Abraham had more than one wife. Thinking to myself, I thought, well, you know, whatever. I got Dolly. I got Dog. I got these women in my life. <laughs> yeah. I can have them all. 
No, I really wasn't thinking that way. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I decided, and she says, and they got this Book of Mormon. So I decided I needed to get a Book of Mormon and find out about these people. I'm gonna, and yeah. I just figured it was another. She said it's another Bible. So the and that Sunday, so Monday, mm-hmm. on the way home from work, from working in the steel mill all day, yeah, I stop at this religious bookstore right on my way home. Yep. Pull over. Had a 56 Dodge. And uh, walk in. And I remember there's this kind of chubby lady. And she had a cross. You had a necklace on. Necklace on and everything. And she says, can I help you? And I says, yes, I'm looking for a Book of Mormon. It was a Baptist bookstore. (laughs) She probably didn't take too kindly oh, to you. Oh, she informed me that I was definitely on the wrong path. <laughs> I, I couldn't figure out what in the world did I, did I do and say. I just want a Book of Mormon. You yeah. know, I, it's yeah. a religious book. Why aren't you carrying one? Yeah. So I Go get, look in a hotel. <laughs> so, no, they didn't have Books of Mormon. In the, did they have the, the Gideon Bibles at that time? They had the Gideon Bibles, And yeah. that was it? In okay. Utah, they had the Book of Mormon. Oh, okay, hotel. gotcha. You know, where you grew up, maybe. In, anyway, so the next day, I'm asking friends at work, and I'm getting all kinds of things about the Mormons. Yeah. All kinds of things. Finally, I'm looking around, for, and so I go to a library looking for a Book of Mormon. I forget where I went. I went somewhere, and this young man on the other side said, Listen, we do not sell the Book of Mormons here. But I tell you what, I can make a better deal for you. And I said, what's that? You give me you give me your address, your name and your address, and I'll have one hand-delivered hand to you. It costs 50 cents. 50 cents? 50 cents. What a steal. And I thought, 50 cents for a Book of Mormon? Is it just a little pamphlet? It says, oh, no, it's, it's, it's a regular book. And I'll have it delivered. I said, you're kidding me. Says no. <laughs> so it was. It was close to a week later. Yeah. And I am tired of going to all of these different churches, and I'm getting ready to go back down to the Red Feather Tavern. To go back into that life. And go step back into that. Drinking, smoking, fighting. Gonna, well, I wasn't gonna, but I was gonna back off a little bit, but not take it to the level where I was. Oh, okay. So you because wanted to I'm get kind tired. of tired. I want to start associating with somebody. Reacquainted. I want to get reacquainted to life a little bit. Okay. And I remember I'm right at the door. I'm getting ready to put the coat on, and the doorbell rings, and I open it up, and there's these two young men and with these name tags on them, and, and they ask me if I'm who I am, and they says, well, we've got a Book of Mormon for you. And I says, whoa, okay, well, I'm in a hurry. Can I give, give you 50 cents, and I'll read it later? It says, well, we'd like to explain it to you. Really? <laughs> Is that going to be extra? So you met some missionaries then? Yeah, missionaries. Okay. Elder Delaplane. Elder what again? Delaplane, I remember. Delaplane? Delaplane, I remember. Elder Delaplane. Elder Delaplane, if you're listening, thank you so much. (laughs) You're the reason why I'm alive. Yeah, he's from Portland, (laughs) Oregon. Anyway, and so uh, I bring Elder Delaplane and his companion in, and all I want is the Book of Mormon. I want to read it. Yeah. I want to know who this guy is that's carrying this baby in the, and his that beautiful woman next to him. And they're that that ideal that you wanted. That, that, that picture that I want. And gotcha. I want that. That postcard and life. so I need to know who these Mormons are. Because mm-hmm. that was a picture in my head. Gotcha. And, and they said, well, read the first 50 pages and we'll be back tomorrow. 
and they start talking to me about this guy Lehigh and and coming over and, and I, I could have given a hoot about that. Yeah. I'm looking for a religion that's going to turn me around, that'll keep me away from the Red Feather Tavern. Mm-hmm. Keep me. I'm, I'm not going to give up arm wrestling, but I'm going to give up the booze <laughs> and everything else. But I'm not going to give up arm wrestling. <laughs> Which, you know, that's fine. It's, it's, it's a good it's, way to solve. It's a problem. Do you want to arm wrestle over this? It's let's, a, let's get her down. It's a time-tested uh, tradition. So, so anyway, um, they come back and and then they come back the next day. Come back the next day. This is on Monday. So they saw you. You saw them on a Sunday. No, they gave you- no. I saw they. They came over on Monday. Oh, okay, that's when I was getting ready to go down. I'd work. Gotcha. All Maybe it was Sunday evening. I forget. Okay. Okay. But. Um, the next day I says, listen, baptize me. Oh, wait. So you, you hadn't even read yet or you were, I told them that I had, I skimmed through and tried to get through the first 50 pages. They gave me a lesson. I says, well, listen, let's just cut to the chase, baptize me. Cause I had decided that I wanted what they had. So was that had no nothing to do with the testimony of Joseph Smith? Or so uh, yeah, else. that's that's what I was going to ask. Is like, so what was the deciding factor for you of um, joining the church? They had the organization that could straighten me out. That's what it was. That's what it the was. organization was. The thing that, that was the kicker it, for you. Well, sure. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna pay your ten percent, or are you gonna get the best feedback from it? Yeah. And I felt that that was it. So the Mormon Church's organization was your selling point. It kind of was, yeah. I'm looking at that. I've been. I was talking to talking to my buddies down at work and everything, and they said, "Well, you got to go to church first. And I said, "Okay, okay." And you got to meet the bishop. You got to do this. Matter of fact, we got these series of lessons. I says, "Give me your lessons." So they said, "Well, we got a series. I think it was seven or eight lessons." I okay. said, "Double them up. Give me two a night." And then it says, and then you make a decision. I said, okay. So they gave me the whole lessons. Gave me these reading assignments. I labored through the reading assignments. Went through the whole lessons. They said, what do you think? I says, and then they brought, uh, they brought an older, what they call stake missionary. Sure. Which was an older man, which turns mm-hmm. out to later become the, the bishop. Or yeah. The second counselor in the bishop. The home teacher. And, uh, and he came over and uh, I says, baptize me. Baptize me right now. They said, well, you have to do this. I said, baptize me before I end up back down there at that Red Feather Tavern. You needed it. I needed it. I said, I need to be baptized. I need to be committed. I'm ready. Baptize me. Baptize me now. So they called up the stake mission president. He says, well, we won't, we're not going to fill up font for him, for him because we have this program to where you have to be. We don't want to just baptize just for somebody. So they were going baptized. through a sort of a... Um, this traditional thing. For a vetting state. process, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> now I, you have to understand the missionaries came in on Monday. Yeah. So I was so determined. So I went, I went to something on Saturday and I met the bishop and then Sunday I went to church and then at the end they were giving me a lesson. I said, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized right now. I said, you don't baptize me. I'm not going to be here. Yeah. So Elder Delaplane arranged to have me baptized in the Puget Sound because the ward mission leader refused to fill up the font. So you got baptized in the Sound. Yeah, because it wouldn't fill up the font. So where did so where did you go on the Puget Sound? Uh, it was a member's house. Okay, that was on the Sound. That had property on the Sound. Okay. And uh, the missionaries. It was it was in October. Yeah. It was cold. 
So the missionaries were wearing, wearing my diving wetsuit underneath their... So wait, hold on. So seriously, they were wearing a wetsuit underneath their garb? I, my wetsuit. They were wearing your wetsuit. My wetsuit. To <laughs> baptize you in... Yeah, okay, it was cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And... <laughs> That's amazing. And so and so we wait out there, and uh, and they baptized me in Kilstrom. That was his name. Okay. He was a stake missionary, and Kilstrom was there to meet me when I come so up. So Kilstrom and Delaplane were the ones that you? They were my, they, well, Elder Delaplane's uh, companion was out in the water with me. Okay. Okay, because he was the witness. Gotcha. And they walked out there to where I was at, you know, in the Puget Sound. Yeah. And they baptized me. It's probably the coldest baptism that those missionaries no, ever it, did. It, for them, it didn't bother me that much. I well, for you, obviously, but like whatnot, for them, you know? yeah. for them, they were like, why yeah. are we doing this? And so... We got to get a member. And so then I was, uh, I was baptized. And... Uh, so there was something that's really interesting for those uh, people who are listening that, that don't really understand Mormonism. Um, and we can get into this later, but... The process of baptizing someone has a very specific prayer, a very specific blessing, and technically, if Having you are... the commission of Jesus Christ to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, there you go. And then they dunk you. Um, <laughs> Wait until you hear my mom's episode. <laughs> oh, I baptized your mom so many times she couldn't catch her breath. I did. <laughs> oh, I was tough on your mom. Oh, oh no. yeah. When they would have that doing baptisms for the dead, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I'd yeah, see yeah. your mom up there, and she's looking at her daddy, and I'd get her down there, and, and <laughs> I'd have it up here, and I could I could baptize her. She'd get a break, just enough to get a breath of air, and I had her down again. Okay. So anyway, okay. Before we get into the work for the dead part, <laughs> and and I do want to go there. Okay. For sure, but. Something that people have to understand if they don't understand Mormonism as far as the context of the blessings themselves specifically is that before you perform a baptism that is not in an already sanctified font, they have to sanctify it first, correct? They have to bless the water itself, right? I want to make sure that I have this correct. No, no, they don't. They don't have to sanctify the water? No. Okay. I was under the impression okay. that they did. Okay, you're taught. I was a stake missionary. I mean, I was the stake missionary yeah. over five wards. Gotcha. And I was working under Hartman Rector Jr., mission okay. president. Hi, Hartman, if you're still alive. And uh, he had what we, we called La Onda. La the, Onda. La Onda, which in Spanish is the wave. The wave. And we were teaching and baptizing in one day so we had teach bapt so introduction to mormonism and then baptism oh, into mormonism yeah. in one single day grandson i took those missionaries out tracting you showed a, them what was up with a spanish book of mormon in my hand and it's called cold calling we i think is what we call it and we'd knock on the door yeah of a total stranger yeah and i'd lift up that book and i'd tell him in spanish this is this is a history of your patria, your homeland. Yeah. And our Savior walking upon that homeland. And I want to tell you about it. Can I tell you about that experience? Yeah. And they'd say, yes. And I'd teach him, I'd come in, and then I'd say, do you want to be baptized? They'd say, yes. I would call up the bishop. 
We had a swimming pool, and I said, get your pool ready. I'm bringing somebody over to be back. Warm it up. Here we come. Oh, I ain't warming up. <laughs> and I baptized him. That's so cool. The same day. It was called La Onda, the wave. The wave. The wave so, of members, and, and the wave I of people. And, and I might have sanctified that swimming pool, but I, I baptized in the surf off of Imperial Beach. In California. In California, off of the surf in Coronado. Mm-hmm. When we're up there teaching, and I just take them right out into the surf, and I'd baptize them. Yeah, I'd teach them, and I'd baptize them the same day. Wow! Wow! That's so cool. I had sixty-five baptisms in one month. Sixty-five in a month. In a month. That's some serious missionary. (laughs) Oh my god! Those are some numbers that like experienced missionaries don't hit. I was. You're killing it. Yeah, you know, I was doing uh, 65 baptisms a month. Okay. Do you mind if we go into the baptism stuff? Because uh, this is something I'll go that's wherever so... you want. Okay, okay. So here we go. Wherever so, you want to go. All right, so here's a question, and we'll get back to it. Um, I'll make a bookmark. But when you were doing work for the dead with my mom and her <laughs> brothers, yes, um, I asked my mom this question, and she wasn't able to, to explicitly answer. But... Uh, how many times would you be able to baptize my mom or one of her brothers or whatever in 10 minutes? How many, like, work for the dead baptisms? I was doing 1,000 a, a night. You were, you were doing 1,000 a, a night? Yeah. Seriously? Yes. You were doing 1,000 baptisms for work for the dead a night? Yes. In Spanish? In Spanish. Ha sido comisionado por Jesucristo, yo te baptizo. Jose Rodriguez, quien es muerto en por parte de... Kelly Williams. For and behalf of. Yeah. He is more at the is dead and it's black. Back up. I said he commissioned out of the And your sister, your your mother would she'd look at me like this and I'd have her back in. I was rattling up and I had a plate right there and a new name would pop up and the person would sit there and dial on that thing and I was flying. <laughs> And I was able to keep my arm up. I wouldn't even put my arm down. And I, I, I was strong. I was lifting weights. I, I was benching over 300 pounds at that time. <laughs> so I was able to hold my arm up. I, yeah. was benching, I was benching 308 pounds to be exact. Okay. So you were benching 308. You're able to lift my mother, who is, you know, 15 at the time, maybe. Or no, no, probably younger than that, right? I don't know. I can't okay, so anyway. But uh, she was, you see, I was doing that to Chad and Brady, too. But it was your mother that was... She, yeah, she, <laughs> she was, was kind of the, the whipping was, child. Oh, she was letting me know that she was not necessarily appreciative of me trying to drown. She'd come in and she'd say, Dad's going to drown me before I get out of here. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, so cool. Yeah, that was a so, trauma. Your mom's biggest trauma was when I made her cut off a chicken head, though. <laughs> but anyway, we, that's another story. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm curious. Uh, not only that, but then we confirmed them. Afterwards, and afterwards, and the, the blessing is with laying on of hands and everything else too, and, right? And we do. I was doing so many that I had to have an armrest so I could just take my hands and go like this. Yeah, pick them down, pick them up, and they would be resting right on your elbows. Yeah, yeah. And I had it memorized, and I was doing that in Spanish. Yeah. So I was um, a temple worker for seven years. Yeah, yeah. So you you taught yourself Spanish? No, no. I learned Spanish in the U.S. Border Patrol. Okay. So 
do you want to go that route? Because we're kind of going down the Mormon route, and then we want to go to the work of the dead, the Mormon, into the bo- the border patrol, then back to the, Secret the Mormon, Service. The Mormons, the Mormons saved my life. Okay, so let's let's go Although down. I, let, I would not be a Mormon today, or I, I do not sure. believe in organized religion of any sort today. Sure. So let's let's hash the Mormonism out, and then we'll go into the Secret Service, and then we'll do border patrol. Does okay. that work for you? Okay, yeah, however you want to do that. Okay, so let's go down the Mormon route. you get route. into religion, I'm going to get into Nibiru. I'm going to get let's into... Let's go down, let's Lockheed go... Naughton and... Uh, <laughs> Here we go. So so you were, you told them, you told the missionaries, baptize me now, you become a Mormon. Okay, so I'm a Mormon, I'm going to church. Yeah. And there's this beautiful young lady that is really coming on to me. Okay. Now, you have to understand that I had just got formally divorced from Pat. Yeah. Just, I mean, the ink wasn't dry on the paper. Sure. And I wasn't above trying to convert her. Patricia. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I had to, she to had Mormon. My, she had my son. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm going to go convert her. I'm going to, you know, let's get this going. Uh-huh. You know, that's one of the reasons why I want to be baptized so quick. I'm going to grab her. I'll get her into this. and I'm, Here's the stability in my life. Uh, I'm yeah, done. I'm clean. She's got a college education. <laughs> she can teach me how to, yeah. with those colons and semicolons to go. <laughs> <Yeah. you know>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> it didn't work out. Okay. 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 So, so the ink wasn't dry, and you're going to Mormon church. Yes, and here's this gal looking at me, and I'm sitting there thinking, if I show an interest in her, I'm going to burn this bridge with Pat, that there's a bridge there. Okay. You know? Yeah. And I knew that. Okay. But it wasn't going anywhere with Pat. Okay. And I come to that conclusion. All right. So I started dating Linda Hoffman. Hi, Linda. Started dating Linda Hoffman. Linda. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was getting serious. All right. Now you have to, now I'm going to tell you this about the Mormon church. Saved my life. Yeah. But the Mormon church is a very well-organized, well-polished business machine. Yep. You are a member for a year and you have to pay a full tithing for a whole year before you can be married to the celestial level in a temple. So you have to pay up. So you're paying... uh, did they well, build it? So, uh, I okay, I, but let me put it this way. Okay. I felt I was getting my money's worth. Oh. Okay. That's very interesting. Okay, well, yeah, so. Because I, they had me busy. So before. I had a calling, I had the purpose and everything else. You I were wasn't doing drinking, your things. I wasn't smoking. I was feeling good. I was healthy. I was smelling the green grass. Yeah. <laughs> green grass, not the, you know. Yeah. No, I know you're not talking about marijuana. Um, so I have a question. Did they, like, bill you the tithe? thing or was it just kind of like this expectation no you have a tithing settlement every year with your bishop okay and when you go in there you bring your w-2 form or everything else and then he takes that and he compares it with your tithing because he has a tithing receipt and then he gives you a temple recommend so if you are he gives you a receipt that tells you that you're a full tithe payer and then you go get your temple recommend now you can go to the temple so he has to look at your tax forms Mm-hmm. In order to t- say whether well, yeah, or not you, you are show, worthy for you, God, yeah, you got you to show proof that you're. So how do you? So here's a question, and I don't want to get too far into this if you don't want to. But how do you feel about that specifically? So how do you feel about a bishop, a man, a human, saying you are now worthy of God because you paid me? <laughs> he didn't say it that way. 
Does it seem like that's what it meant, though? In a sense, that's what it was. Sure. You know, I, I, you're talking to a man that thinks Brigham Young is an antichrist, but I also think that Joseph Smith repented. I'm one of the few men on the face of this planet that accept Joseph Smith for who he truly was. Which was? A man, a man that got caught up into something and taken okay. advantage of. Oh. I have never heard that perspective about Joseph Smith before. He was before. taken advantage of. And he was a good man, and he had inspiration. Okay. And with his Book of Mormon, he wasn't doing anything that other people weren't doing. True. It's just the right people got a hold of him and said, hey, look what we can do with this. Mm. I could take you down the St. Lawrence Waterway and show you Paleograph Hebrew 600 years before our Savior Christ archaeological evidence. Yeah. Okay. And in the Book of Mormon says it started 600 years before Christ. Well, there's air evidence. There's some evidence right there. Does that mean the Book of Mormon is true? You know, I, uh, I rewrote the New Testament, Christopher. <laughs> so you're hitting me with a lot of things. <laughs> so I have so many... <laughs> You're, you're, you're talking to your grandpa. You I know. better be prepared for I'm, this. I'm ready. Um, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. So you, before we go any further, you, how do you, so how do you feel, you, you mentioned that you don't um, adhere to any sort of like uh, um, religion, man-made, no, no, you know, religion Organ at all. Organized, organized religion at all. Um, and then I ask you. I'm not saying man-made. Or, okay. I don't think, I don't think man-made religion. Uh the weakness that we have okay. as humans is that not only not only our Heavenly Father, but other things. We we like to bend things to to meet our own needs. Yeah, our profile of things and you know, gotcha. our needs. And we've done it to religion. We do it to politics. We do it with everything that we do. It's a natural. It's a natural thing of with a human being. So gotcha. we're we're meant to make mistakes. We're meant to to struggle along. Yeah. You know, so so uh, when I ask you, uh, how do you feel about a a bishop saying you are now worthy of God because you've paid me enough because I've looked at your W twos? Well, if he had said it in those words, I'd have told him uh, up your yin yang. Yeah, <laughs> up, up your yin yang. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> when you when you know the context of that specific phrase. <laughs> <laughs> of what yin yang actually means. That's a very funny thing. I think I'm going to make that into a t-shirt. <laughs> Why, what does yin yang mean? Well, I've been using it for years and years. Well, I mean, yin yang is the male, female, uh, you know, chaos, order, that kind of thing. I, under, I understand. Oh, yin and yang? Well, yeah, that's what you said. Up your yin yang. <laughs> okay. okay. Okay, so I don't want to lose track too far. And we'll definitely get into all that other stuff. Okay. So you, you go to the bishop... You go through your W-2s, you pay your tithing, and you want to marry this Linda Hoffman. Uh, well, no, because I broke up with Linda Hoffman before I ever got to be a, a member for a year. Okay, so run me through that. <laughs> okay, so I'm with Linda Hoffman. We're holding hands. Okay. i got to be careful. Linda Hoffman's going to be listening to this. I, I don't know if she will be. Well, I don't know. She's got seven brothers. <laughs> Well, you can yeah, handle well, it, and well, you have some know. grandkids that will be able to help you out. Anyway. And your daughter. Oh, they're old men now. <laughs> so anyway, I'm holding hands. Okay. But I, I kind of felt that things weren't going to work between us. 
Okay. So a, a reserved... Um, yeah, I was a reserved relationship. It started okay. off... But you see, you see, it started off... I was on the rebound... From Pat. Day, from Pat. Okay. And I was actually thinking I could get Pat. I could still get, get Oh, Pat. okay. You know, and all of a sudden, here's Linda Hoffman, and she's there. And so I start dating her. And, and yeah, their feelings were definitely there. But I'm sitting there thinking... Is this who I want to have children with and everything else? I've already got a child with a woman. If I could just get her back. Yeah. And we can make, because we've already started the steps and we just got to, you know, but I realized that wasn't going to happen. Okay. And now I've got Linda and this is kind of a, was kind of a rebound thing. Okay. And I thought, I don't, I don't know. You know. This Mormon church got a lot of pretty girls running around. And my eyes were taking it in. I mean, uh, hey, I'm a young, testosterone-filled young man. You know? Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, hey, you know. This, yeah. <laughs> this is a proof, pretty fruitful passage we got. Pastor we got this here. church is awesome. Hey, uh, you, know, you should have seen what everybody was saying when we went to Went to Israel when I joined the group. They said, we can tell you're Mormon. I said, why? Look at all those pretty girls. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mormon church was known for their beautiful women. Sure. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then there was this. You're holding hands. I'm holding hands. And we'd been at some kind of a play or something at church. Some sort of church function. As church function. Okay. And I'm holding hands. And uh, this friend of mine said... I want you to meet my cousin. She just come up from Idaho. And he introduces me to Stella Cheney. Yeah. And I looked at her. Oh, my gosh, Christopher. I let go of this girl's hand. Oh, my God. And then I realized what I was doing, so I grabbed it again. <laughs> <laughs> so you're so... Okay. Now you've heard this story I've, from I've, your I've, grandma. I've, Do you want to hear it again on, I, on your podcast or whatever you call it? My podcast. <laughs> yes, on my podcast, on the polygonometry podcast. I want to hear this story again. Absolutely. Okay, so it was <laughs> maybe a week later. Okay, so hold on before we go any further. So you you're holding hands with your not betrothed, but so how Linda Hoffman. So how how far along were you in, in her? Were you guys engaged? Were you? Oh, we had we had reserved the building for the wedding. So you were ready to go. Yeah, you were engaged. Did she have a ring on her finger yes. at that point? So you were engaged. Oh wow. Okay, so you were engaged. Yes. To this Linda woman. Linda Hoffman. Linda, yes. And so... And I wasn't quite sure. I, oh, man, I've really stepped into this. I'm engaged to her. We reserved the building for, for the, the wedding. wedding. You made, You set a date. We set the date. Oh, my God. And so you go to this church function with Linda. You're holding okay, hands. Okay. Do you want? We're going to jump forward here. Okay, hold on. Before you go any further... Down? Are you sitting down? Of course. I do. Yes. Okay, so I'm sitting down. But hold on. <laughs> really quick, so I can make sure that I'm getting the context correctly. So you're holding hands with Linda Hoffman. She And your you, grandma comes into the picture. You have a mutual friend of Linda's, or does Linda tell you, hey, I want you to meet my cousin? No, no. This a mutual friend of my own, a friend, a male friend. Who's at that church function. Who's at the church function. Says, hey, I want you to meet my cousin, Stella Cheney. I want you to meet my cousin, my... My cousin Stella Cheney. You see, he was not a Cheney. I forget what his name was, but anyway, he okay. wasn't a Cheney. But okay. he says, "I want you to meet my 
my cousin Stella Cheney. And he says, Stella, he says, this is Stella, Stella, this is my friend Rod. And then you were so blown away by Stella's beauty that you dropped. I don't know if it was her beauty or whatever it was, but I let go of that and I thought. You let go of your in your fiance's hand. And I says, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> Did you myself. actually say that or that's what you were saying myself. to yourself? I am going to marry that's her. That's so cute. No way I'm not going to marry her. I'm going to marry her. Yeah. Okay. So. I play it cool because you have to be a so member you, a year. You drop her this hand. Is, this is June, and I can't won't have a year in until the end of October. Yeah, um, October twentieth, actually October nineteenth. I'd have a year. Okay, because I got you got baptized. baptized oh, October tenth. Okay, nineteenth. around Halloween. Yep. And so, and now we're sitting in June. She had just graduated. She had just turned eighteen. She had just graduated. Stella. Yeah, yeah. And eighteen. I'm what twenty four years old, and she's eighteen. Yeah, and I'd been married and I got a child. And you're you had been married, had a child, and then you have a fiance. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Here yeah. we are. Here we are. And we've got we've got the we've got the church already reserved for, for the, the wedding reception for the reception for the reception. We're going to get married in the in the Logan Temple. The Logan Temple. Logan Temple. In Utah. In Utah. So why did you choose the Logan Temple as we opposed gonna, to the Seattle Temple? We didn't have a Seattle Temple then. Oh. Yeah, the closest temple was Idaho Falls or Logan. To Seattle at that time. So Portland didn't have their temple? No. No. Whoa. So the closest temple to you at that time in Seattle was either Idaho Falls or Logan. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. So we, I think we're going to do Idaho Falls... Uh, Linda Hoffman and I, mm -hmm. and we're talking about. It, but I was starting to get cold feet at this time, Christopher. With Linda. With Linda. Okay. I was just, just something wasn't clicking. Yeah, it just didn't seem right. Didn't seem right. So, so, uh, so now I'm starting to scheme. <laughs> yeah. Now my brother had come down from Alaska. He was, a, he was working. He was a fisherman up in Alaska, and he come down from Alaska, and we we're, we were having this outing. The following, well, following week or something, uh -huh. and so I invite, I start, yeah, turning things how I was going to do this, and I'm still haven't broke up with Linda yet. So we go to this outing at one at a at an old abandoned award building, okay, and we're having this big dance and we're having games and all this stuff, mm -hmm. yeah, and we have this. And Pat's there. Yeah. And uh, we have this potluck when we're having all this stuff. And it's yeah, it's the young people's. That, that's one reason why I joined, because they had stuff for young people to do. You know, the, Young people were getting together. And early 20s together. and, yeah, yeah singles and ward. Yeah, we get together, and it was on a yeah. good moral basis and everything yeah, yeah, else. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's a good having way a, to meet people. Having a good time. Yeah, having a good time. Nice, clean, fun, and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I keep looking at this Stella, and I'm thinking, oh, I, I've got to do something, and I've got to act. I'm going to act now. So we're playing this game called hide-and-seek. And what you do is when you find the person, you hide with them. You hide with the person? You hide with the person. So you paired up? No. Okay. I'm paired up with this return missionary okay. whose father happens to be on the high council. Of that stake? You have the stake we're in, yes. Okay. 
and he and I are on top of the church building. So you're on the roof of the church building. Yes, and we're hiding behind this big double chimney that was at least eight feet, eight feet long, wide. Okay, big eight feet wide. You're hiding behind the double chimney. Yeah, and he's on one end, and I'm on the other end. Okay, and here comes Stella and her girlfriend uh, <laughs> Deborah Martinson or something around the corner and everything. So being young men full of testosterone, <laughs> we conveniently step out and let ourselves be seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and But you have to climb up on the roof if you're going to hide with us. Well, the pretty girls that were down there looking up, and they said, well, we don't want to hide with you. We'll find somebody else. But Stella starts climbing up the rain spout. She's climbing up the rain gutter. With the help of a tree. To get to you and your buddy. Yeah, to hide with us. To hide with you. And I'm thinking, behind now the- I know I'm going to marry her. <laughs> She's climbing up this tree, this gutter and everything. And uh, and he's got, his eyes are this big around too for Stella. Yes. All right. So I look at him. And so I said, some listen. friendly competition there. So I sit there and I said, "Listen." I, I said to him right off as she's climbing up. I said, "Listen, if she comes to your side of the chimney, she's yours. If she comes to my side of the chimney, she's mine. Because the way she's going to come up, she's actually closer to him than me." Yeah. Yeah. But I said that to him just to calm him down. <laughs> Because there's no way I was going to keep my word <laughs> if he went that way. You know, game on, all fair and love and war. I was going to marry this girl. You're not. Now, if she goes oh to your God. side, I'm just going to have to intimidate you or I'm going to do something. God, it's so beautiful. Anyway, so she gets up on the roof. He's standing just outside right on just a chimney like this. He's right here yeah. on the, on my right, and I'm on the left. Uh huh. And I figure she's right handed. She's going to go to the right, which will be my left. You're planning, you're scheming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She comes to my side of the chimney. Oh. Game over. It's over. There we go. The rest is history. Nah, the only problem is I'm engaged to another woman. (laughs) (laughs) I got to do something about this. Oh, my God. Now the dance is getting ready to start. Yeah. And this is where you really hook in. Yeah. Now, how am I going to dance with her when I got... A fiancé. A fiancé with my (laughs) ring... Hey, this ring was expensive. I think I paid $200. I mean, which is expensive in those days. Oh, my God. So, this is so cool. So I get a hold of this Martinson girl. Yeah. And I said, listen. And I was pretty good friends with her. I said, listen, I want you to do something. So hold on. So this Martinson woman was who exactly? She was the second uh, second counselor to the bishop's uh, daughter. She okay. Was, and, and she, she was, was Stella's good friend, friend? Good friends with Stella. And she's okay. good friends with me, too. I just okay. Knew her. So, so it sounds like this, this woman was a mutual friend of you and Grandma. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I got her off the side, and I said, listen, I want you to make an excuse that you can't take Stella home tonight. So, and then I will step in, and I will offer to take her home. Why would you do that? You and Linda are going to take her home? I said, I don't think so. I, 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 Karen was her name. I said, Karen, just, just follow my lead on this, will you? <laughs> I don't know. I said, please, just follow my lead on this. Okay. So, <laughs> so then I get my brother. Okay. And I said to my brother, I said, do you see all those young men, young men out there? A lot of my return missionaries, especially that one, Right there. Who hid with me on the chimney. I said, I want you to dance every dance with this girl, Stella. Yeah. I want you to dominate 
the thing. <laughs> you dance every dance with her. You don't let anybody else move in. If they do, you only let them have one dance, and then you move back yeah, in. Dominate the dance. I said, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to take Pat home and break up with her. And then I'm coming or right Linda. back. Or Linda. Or Linda. I'm taking Linda home. I'm breaking up with her, and then I'm coming back to the dance. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, this is a 100 percenter. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. So that's I the only load, way to describe it. I, only, I load Linda up. I drive her home. I'm speeding as fast as I can. Yeah. I pull her up in front of her place. I break up with her. She throws a ring at me. It falls down on the floorboard of the car. I can't find it. I don't have time to even look for it because I got to get back to the dance. Oh. Because I got a romance, oh. and now I got to do it legitimately. But now I'm not engaged anymore because I just broke up with her, and she threw the ring in my face, oh. and it fell down on the floorboard. <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. No, oh, I think she slapped my face at least three times. I don't know, it uh. was, and I deserved it. Yeah, you did. And I would uh, agree. And I would I, agree. <laughs> and and I broke speed limits. I remember running a red light. Yeah, got back to the dance, and the dance was just getting over. Well, my brother tried but uh, yeah let's put it this way stella wasn't lacking for suitors and so immediately <laughs> the dance is over everybody's getting ready to go home yeah and so the opportunity was there and i i told carolyn i said carolyn carolyn says you know she says stella rod here you you, you know him I said well yeah, yeah i've met him i, I hid said, with him behind a chimney <laughs> No, yeah, I hid with him behind the <laughs> chimney. I met him, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 because we hid that night, and, uh -huh. you know, and oh, and I helped her down off the chimney. By oh, that's time, a very important, know. crucial point. Oh, yeah, I remember, and I held her very, and I was very strong. When <laughs> hold her, and I could move her over here, and I could sit her down. I was, I had the shoulders, and I had the ability to hold her up, you know, and oh, so good. And I so set her down. Great. Yeah, and I. Uh, Jumped in the car, I mean, and then... So, so hold on. So, Carolyn is saying, hey, Stella, here's Rod. You remember Rod, right? Yeah. And then Grandma says... Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, 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 I, I met him. And, and yeah, Stella yeah, kind of yeah. like... Now, Stella at that time did not know that I was engaged. She was brand new. She didn't know I was engaged to Pat. Or no, Linda. I, Linda. Yeah. Had no idea of... Gotcha. And so, I broke up with... With know, Linda. I, I drive... I, so, I'm driving uh, Stella home. Yeah. And I tell my brother he has to sit in the back seat, and I have Stella sitting in the front seat. Yeah. And then I'm carrying on conversations with my brother about how I broke up with Linda. In front of? My brother. I'm telling in, 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 in front of? Stella. <laughs> Stella, I find out later, just oblivious as to what was going on. She just didn't really absorb. No. Okay. The next morning, I'm in the bishop's office. What in the dickens did you do last night, Your Honor? I said, well, I broke up with well, okay. Well, I didn't tell the bishop that I had full intentions on marrying Stella at that time. So then I took Stella out to dinner. That next night? The next night after, because that was on a Saturday night, and Sunday we were at church. Yeah. I didn't sit with her in church. Okay. Uh, she sat with her family, but I remember her looking up and looking over at me and kind of, hi, you know, type thing. Doing the, she hello. likes me. She likes me. Yeah. So I... After church, I asked her if she'd like to go out for dinner Monday night. Mm -hmm. She says, yeah. Um, I proposed to her the following Saturday. It took you five days, six days. Yeah. Six days, and then you proposed to her. Yeah. 
with the same ring. Did you use yeah. the same ring? You see the same ring. <laughs> <laughs> not not for very long. I traded it in <laughs> later. That's so great. That's uh, so awesome. I married your grandma. I didn't even change the reservations. I kept the same reservation. <laughs> you kept the same reservation. At the church. Married her on the same day. You just changed the name of the lady you were marrying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so cool. Your grandpa doesn't lose. <laughs> Ah, oh, that's so cool. Okay, so now I, you see, let me tell you this. Your grandma was my savior at the beginning, mm-hmm. and nor is my savior at the end. Yeah. I've had two women that have saved me, mm-hmm. grandma and Nora. Yeah. And I could give you the story of Nora, but that's another story. All right, we can get there later. Anyway, uh, so we're on this romance and uh, I decided to test your grandma out one day. What do you mean by test her out? Well, I thought this is going to be the mother of my children now and everything. I'm going to marry her, marry her. Oh, and by the way, when I went out, that second Sunday when I went in, the bishop had me in. He said, what are you doing? You <laughs> proposed to this girl and you just, when are you planning on marrying her? Well, I said, well, we've already got this building reserved and it's reserved for... And I'm, 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 <laughs> it was I, supposed to be for me and Linda, but... But, but I still... I'm going to have my year end, you know, I'm a full tithe payer, and I, Ed, did I do anything wrong? I broke up with Linda first. He just, you know, he's looking at me. Here's a guy that gets baptized within a week, proposes to a girl within a week. Yeah. I proposed to Nora the day after her father gave me permission to marry her. There you go. That's how fast I moved. Waste no time. Anyway. Got to get things done. Anyway, I uh, so <laughs> Stella and I get married. Okay. We uh, go through everything with the marriage. Uh, yeah. And I got the dream of the, you know. Yeah. And it's before, I think it was just before she got, because it took a while. I don't know exactly when it was, but... I, w- I had quit working I, for the for Bethlehem Steel, and I was uh, a hod carrier for bricklayers and plasters. Okay. And I was working out of the hod carriers union because I didn't want to be in the in that smelly old steel mill all my life. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get enough hours in with the stevedores to work on the piers because that was really good money. Mm-hmm. I'm broad shouldered. Yeah. yeah. You know, hard working man. You're able to lift women off of the roof, so you got it down. I got this down. <laughs> you know, so uh, I read in the newspaper that the U.S. Secret Service is organizing a uniform branch of the Secret Service that they're calling the Executive Protective Service at that time. Executive Protective Service. And what it was, it was a uniform branch of the U.S. Secret Service, so it was a part of the United States Secret Service. Yeah. And they were way, and the general requirements were two years of college or two years of police work. Okay. And of course, you had to have a GED. Yeah. I thought, well, I got a GED stuck away in some box somewhere. Mm hmm. Uh, I'm a Vietnam vet. That gives me five points, by the way. Five points. How many points did you need? Well, 
if you take the exam, you're only hire, they're going to hire the first 500 over nine that have more than 90%. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got a couple thousand people taking the exam. So it isn't just getting a 70 and passing or a 75. Mm-hmm. You've got to get a 90. And then be picked out of that. So, yeah. yeah. Because they have the written exam and then they have an oral exam. Mm-hmm. And this is for the Secret Service. Yeah. I said, honey, can I do this? Your grandma looked at me and she says, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. Go for it. What's it going to hurt? You're gonna lose, you're, you're just gonna flunk an exam. You're you're an expert at that. You know? <laughs> I'm think, well, I think I thought that. I said, yeah, I'm yeah, an, yeah, I can flunk an yeah. exam. I know I, I flunk them all the time. Yeah. I, it isn't gonna bother me to flunk an exam. I flunk an exam. I know what that's like. Yeah, I know what that is. I've had I've hit that low. Yeah. So I said I'm gonna go down there, but only if the banana boat doesn't come in. Now, every Monday. And I made arrangements with my employer employer that I was hog carrying with, uh-huh. right up front with him. I said, if the banana boat comes in, I want to work on the banana boat for four or five hours, whatever it takes to unload the banana boat, because I want to get those hours towards the, my union, yeah. the, the stevedores union, mm-hmm. so that when an opening comes up, I'll have enough hours to where I can get in. Yeah, I had that agreement with him, and then I'd come in and work later. He said, fine. You know, we'll, we'll cover for you, you know, and everything else. So I show up Monday morning at the union hall. And uh, Fifth and Boring, I think it was, street there in Seattle. Okay. And the banana boat wasn't. So I told Stella, if the banana boat's coming in. So, what, not, do you mean, so what do you mean by banana boat exactly? There's a banana boat that came in every, every Monday from Costa Rica full of bananas. Okay. And it would take us about four hours to unload it. And you were working at the pier. And you're working at the pier, and those four hours that it takes to unload that banana boat, those four hours goes towards your stevedore hours, gotcha. which goes towards you being able to get enough points to where you can join the stevedores union and become a stevedore. Gotcha. Everything was very union union or yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So I show up, and the banana boat isn't gonna, isn't coming in. It's late. It's not going to be until the next day or something. Okay. Now I had a change of clothes in the. And, and this is the union hall, and they have a shower and everything else there. And I'm looking up at the clock, and you have to you have to check in. I think it was at eight o'clock in the morning or something. Sure. And this is about seven o'clock. Okay. To get because you you got there early. Mm-hmm. Nana boat's not coming in. So I say to my other hog carriers that are all doing the same thing I'm doing because this is at the hog carriers union hall. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said. I said, let's go take that exam. They said, well, you know, I tell them about the exam. I even showed I had it. In, the had Secret the Service Entry Exam. Secret Service Entry Exam. And yep. what it was, it was an exam that was designed for associate's degree in law enforcement. Gotcha. Well, I don't have associate's degree. I don't have a, I didn't even get through the eighth grade. Yeah. And these guys are laughing at me. You think you're going to do that? I said, well, yeah. I said, well, why not? Yeah, went for it. I'm gonna go go take it. Yeah, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. things are turning back here. <laughs> so <laughs> I drive up courthouse, get a parking spot, walk in. And here's all these guys, and every one of us are Vietnam vets. One hundred percent of us are Vietnam vets. I'm, well, and, and they're all turning in their Secret Service entry exam. 
and they're coming up to take this exam. Oh, but okay. They're going they're, to take it. Okay. I, I'm not saying all of them were. Most of them I was talking to, and, but, but most of them were were uh, police officers, and some of them had their associate's degree and stuff like that in and law the, enforcement. And, and all of them, a lot Viet- of them were were Seattle policemen. Okay, and all of them were Vietnam vets. And we were all. I found out later. I don't know how many of us were there, but when we're sitting around, I got about a half hour, and we're all just talking. Yeah, chit chat. Well, yeah. Where did you serve? And why did you do this? And yeah, yeah, just yeah, talking, yeah, yeah. Talking, and I was always very clear that I was on an LST, and I was this and that, and I sure. Trans- and if I was talking to a Marine, I'd just, I just <laughs> I was your taxi wherever you wanted. Yeah, yeah. And would make jokes about it. I tried to steal you know. a Russian flag one time. Oh no, I never talked about that. <laughs> That's careful. I didn't want to, especially going into the Secret Service. I yeah, didn't yeah, let yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So, uh, and then I'm starting to realize that this is real. These are some real competition to get yeah. in. So I'm thinking, okay, I need. I need to saddle up because they're going to be taking us through this door and we're going to be going into this room and we're all going to sit down. So I'm envisioning that it's school, classroom type thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for somebody that is holding his coffee cup in his left hand. <laughs> you know, and that's carrying his watch on his right hand, wrist. Because if you carry a watch, you're generally on your left wrist or something. If you're right-handed, your watch is on your left wrist and vice versa. Yeah. You're employing your old school habits. I'm getting into the thing here. (laughs) And I'm thinking, do I really want to do this? I'm an active member of the church. I need to have faith in Jesus Christ and and do what's right here. Yeah. Well, what's right here is that you want to make a better life. A little cheat, I can answer for it. Jesus is okay with a little cheating so, sometimes. So I, I said, the main focus is keep this guy on your left-hand side. You you sit to his right, one seat behind him. Yeah. And then you're going to have a right-hand person on your other side, and then you got in front of you. And so this is, so I really get to talking to this guy. The guy comes out and announces, and everybody going in. And so I'm right behind him, going to settle in. Yeah. I walk into the room. Everything is an individual cubicle. Oh, you have the little box around your desk. Yeah. Oh, no. Every single one. All of your efforts wasted. Individual cubicle. <laughs> so what do you do at that point then? Do you just like just obviously have to just pick a seat then, right? Yeah. 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 Just go for it. Game's over. Oh, no. Look at the clock. It's going to start in 10 minutes. You have so much You have so much time to take the exam. And I'm thinking, okay. And, and I, yeah, I prayed. I prayed real hard that day. Yeah. And I took that exam. And they said they were going to grade the exam. And they were only going to accept those that got over a 90. Yeah. Okay. Give it your best shot. And then we go out and we wait. Now, I don't know if it was the next day and they called me. I can't remember. No, I think it was the same day. And the next thing I know, I'm called in. For an interview. Well, they just, they they called each one of us that were out there that took the test. Okay. And so I went And home. said, hey, yeah, yeah, no, hey, yes. But called me in and says, you passed. You passed? Yeah. You go get your physical this afternoon. Wow. I said, this afternoon? He says, yeah. Schedule, go get your physical this afternoon. Yeah. I'm going to get full physical. 
can you do that? I, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. So I passed. I passed with an 86. It was an 87, but I got five points for being a Vietnam vet. And so you bumped up to a past 90, 91. 91. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, I didn't even have time to go and tell Stella. We didn't have cell phones or anything like that. Yeah. Stella's home. She was a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. And I headed right down, took the physical. I was late getting home. I come home. I says, I passed the test. And I believe I passed the physical. Yeah. Now I just got to pass the background. Well, I end up, background check. My stepmother, but family was just absolutely, they went and they visited David's mom, mm. even. Yeah. Talked to her. And uh, to this day, I don't know what she said. They, David probably would know. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, I... Uh, I do know what my stepmother said because the one of the agents that knew about it was laughing. They they swore my stepmother swore him down that they had made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take him. He's not that smart. Seriously, he did eighth grade twice. <laughs> so I'm in. Uh, so here's here's where it comes in. I get I go through and it took a long time to do it and. Uh, Stella went through a really hard uh, pregnancy with with Brady while they were doing the background on me. Okay. And I'm still working in as a hot carrier. And then I started working as a painter. Okay. Apprentice, for in case things didn't work out. There was a member of the church that owned a painting, and being as I had worked in the painting locker and knew how to paint in the Navy, I turned out to be a pretty good painter. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll make this or that or whatever. Yeah. I wasn't really trying to get into the stevedores because I was realizing, hey, I passed this background. I'm in. Yeah. So next thing I know, I get a phone call from the Secret Service, and they said, well, you need to come down to the office as soon as possible. And I go down there, and they says, you pretty much made it. You're going to be, but you got, but your name is not Williams. Oh, Okay. I said, my name isn't Williams. I said, well, I know that my dad was, was born Martin or something, but he was adopted. He said, no, he was never adopted. Your dad never legally changed his name, nor did his brothers. We would like to enroll you as Rodney Frank Martin into the U.S. Secret Service Academy. Yeah. And we'll do all the paperwork, change your name. and You'd have to do the paperwork, but we'll pay the fee or whatever. Whatever to... Easy peasy. Yeah, to have your wife and your child's name changed to Martin. Yeah. And then your child, you don't know at that time whether it was a boy or a girl. They didn't yeah. have the mm-hmm. ability would be born a Martin. Mm-hmm. And you'd go into the academy as a Martin. I went home, talked to Stella about it, talked to my mom about it, and I was so worried about how my dad would feel and everything else that I decided to leave my name as Williams. Because you had already gone through the experience of having your name changed when you were well, a kid. No, not so much, I, because no? Martin was my name. Okay. But I'd been raised Williams. My dad was kidnapped when he was five years old. And <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that till later that he was kidnapped when he was five. Oh, wow. By okay. his mother and uh, Earl Williams. Okay. 
who later turned out to be a pedophile. Oh, all right. And was one of the main reasons why I changed my name. Okay. So <clears throat> I went into the Secret Service as, as a Williams. Secret Service as a Williams. You're in, yeah, you're admitted, uh, you're, you're in the academy. Well, before I go in, uh, about two weeks, right about the same, same time that I told them I was going to be Williams and everything, all of a sudden this Manila envelope comes in the mail. Yeah. And it's my plane ticket, my orders, and everything else to show up at the academy. Now, I knew I was, I knew I was accepted, and I knew this thing was coming. Yeah. And it said, be, pre- be prepared to go. Yeah. And I don't know how much time it was. But anyway, so here's this manila envelope. I'm off to the academy. And Stella's going to have to stay home and close things up because they're getting me into the next class. Yeah. So you have to figure things out with your home life in order to go to and go through with the academy. Well, you, you know, we had a house and everything else, you know, but I've got to start this academy here real quick. Mm-hmm. Well, when I'm going through this, and here it shows, and I'm going over there, and it shows these, i got to find a place to stay. They didn't have a barracks right at first. The barracks didn't come in until a little bit later. Okay. And so I had a place to go. I had already made arrangements to that. I was going to rent a room at this attorney's house that was the father of somebody in the ward. Yeah. So I had made arrangements for a little flop place for me to stay until mm-hmm. I went into a barracks type situation. Um, so I opened up the envelope and I'm going through this stuff on the kitchen table with your grandma. And I look up and here, we were standing, we were looking at the different houses and where it was and all this, and here's my orders, and here's my plane ticket. Yeah. And then here's this little booklet, three by five. Okay. One just like it is sitting right in my office right now. Yeah. Declaration of Independence, Constitution of the United States of America. Yeah. It was pinned to a letter, and the letter says, read this book, know it well, it is your first exam, you have to pass or you go back home. No so second you, no second chance. So you no retake. You're done if you do not pass the if first you exam. Do not pass the so that first, first exam, exam so that first exam was basically testing your knowledge and philosophy, know how of the Declaration of Independence and the US Constitution. Okay. Mainly the US Constitution. Okay. I'm sweating bullets. I didn't know what the Constitution was. I never yeah. went to school. Yeah. Nobody taught me about the Constitution. Yeah. I took this country for granted. Mm-hmm. Took everything for granted. Yeah. So, Stella says, you can do this. I memorized that little book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I had about a month before I was going to be in. I mean, Leaving to go to yeah. D.C. to well, go through. Well, I don't the... know if it was a month, two weeks. Was... Okay. I was going pretty quick, but... It was quick for me, but anyway, I was on my way. Yeah. And my first exam was going to be on the, it was on the Constitution. It didn't say the Declaration. Your first exam was going to be on the Constitution. Know the Constitution. But the Declaration of Independence was there, too. Was a part of it. Was a part of it. Was a part of the little booklet that they yes. had pinned. Yes. To yes. this letter. Yes. So I studied that. I studied it. Memorized studied, it. Oh, man. So I get to the academy. We had to wear a suit every single day. Yeah. You had to wear a suit or a blazer with slacks. Yeah. A tie. Black polished shoes or browned polished shoes. Mm-hmm. Polished. Spit shined. Yeah. And no patent leather. There you go. Got to look professional. Oh, yeah. Take yeah. it seriously. Yeah. Hair had to be cut just right. Mm-hmm. Everything. 
So we're there. We're all nervous. My shoes are too small. I kick them off. I thought, oh, my gosh. Because I don't want to get a paycheck and go buy a pair of shoes that fit. I bought a pair of shoes that were too small, and I'm doing, having to do a lot of walking and everything else. Anyway, well, this one day, this very muscular person, and he purposely dressed masculine, and he walks in, and he looked like the biggest badass you could ever stare down. Yeah. You know, and he comes in there, and he's, he, and he's talking talk. Yeah. And you could tell that this was somebody, last person on, I'll tell you what he looked like. Yeah. You know Bongino? No. Bongino? Bongino. Bongino. I'm going to look it up. Bongino. How do you spell Bongino? B-O-N-G. Bongino, Secret Service. He ran for Congress. He was on uh, Obama's Secret Service team. And he, Dan Bongino? Diane Bongino. Dan Bongino. Okay. He's a commentator. Got a picture of him? Uh, yeah. Okay. I see what you're talking about. Very, okay. very intense looking guy. Oh, yeah. 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 It, was, it was a bon, Bongino type person. Secret Service guy walks into the guy. Okay. Walks into the class. It wasn't Bongino. Bongino, I don't even know if he was born at that time. His head looks like the a Lego head. <laughs> like it, It's like square. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, be careful. You don't want to mess with him. Uh, I, I, I definitely don't want to mess with Mr. Lego head here. Okay. So anyway, this guy's there and he's talking. Okay. I'll wait till you get done there. I got it. So this guy's talking to us. And he's fielding his questions and he's... He's very, very good. He's an expert at leading the conversation and getting us to engage. Engage him. Listen to him. Listen to him and engage. Gotcha. And he's taken us this route. And then somebody raises their hand and they says, well, what if you belong to the opposite party that you're protecting? And his eyes lit up. Oh, okay. So, like, if you... He was purposely kind of leading us into this, waiting for the question. He wasn't sitting there. He was waiting for the question to be asked. So he led you guys to ask that question. He led us to where somebody was going to ask that question. Like, if you are a Democrat, but you're supporting and protecting a Republican or vice versa. Yeah, or vice versa or something. Okay. And then, bam. And here come the colorful metaphors and everything else. I don't give a blank, <laughs> blank. If you, we don't give a blankety blank if you vote for your Rottweiler dog. Yeah. Rottweiler, that's a pretty mean dog. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because, but if you can't give your life for the Constitution, he says, 50% of you are probably going to wash out. And it isn't yeah. because you're going to flunk the exams. Uh-huh. And it isn't because you physically can't do it. It's because you're not going to profile. We are going to profile the hell out of you. And if you don't profile the way we need you to profile to stand next to the president and to take that bullet, we're getting you out of here. Yeah. But you're not going to take the bullet for the president. And then he just went silent. So we don't care. Yeah. We don't care what your political party is because you're not going to take a bullet for the president. You're taking a bullet for your constitution. Yeah. Because the president is the elected representative of the constitution by the people for the people yes yeah whoa we yeah the whole classroom sat back because and just kind that of like hit us had to take that in you take it in you better take it in yeah you're not defending the person you're defending the paper you're defending the constitution of the united states of america and if you can't take a bullet for your constitution we're going to wash you out yeah you're dunsky yeah all right we don't care how strong you are we don't care how 
muscle bound you are. We don't care how well you can shoot. Mm-hmm. And he says, Oh, by the way, right now we're going to take the exam. Oh, <laughs> right now. <laughs> Just boom, right boom, into it. Right now, taking the exam. I mean, he let us right into it. Well, wait a minute. I need to go study or last minute study or something. Right now, you're taking the exam. Sit down. Threw you into the wolves. Yep. I'm assuming that that was definitely part of the profiling process. I think it was because we were led into get up, leave everything right where it is. Your test and your pencil is waiting for you, and we're taken into another room again. Cubicles. Yeah. Take the exam. You only have 15 minutes. To complete the exam. Complete the exam. Oh, man. Now, I'm going to give you, I think it was 15 minutes, maybe it was 20, I don't know. It was a short time. Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you the first question on that exam. Okay. Let's see if you can answer. All right, all right, I'm ready. I won't touch my computer. How many articles are there in the Constitution of the United States of America? Very first question. Come on. You articles, only got 25. 27. That's amendments. Oh, articles? Five. Seven. Damn it. I said five first, I said 25, then I said 27. I just added 20 to both of those. So I was close. I won't be able to be a secret service. I know the government's probably listening to us anyway, but yeah. Oh, it wasn't multiple choice. You had to hand write it in. Which e- what each article of the Constitution no, was? No, just how many articles you had to write in. Seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the next question. I aced the exam. Everybody in there aced the exam. It was really, really very simple. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to make sure that you studied it. Okay. Nobody yeah. flunked the exam. Yeah, Nobody well, I, went. Home. I mean, I would have. <laughs> well, no, you wouldn't have. If you knew, you, you would have read it, and you would have read it and realized that there were seven articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. All right, so you take the exam. You go, and um, Bor- so, Borgino I says. The, <laughs> I take the exam. We all pass the exam. Yeah. Okay, so nobody's going home. Okay. And they knew that if we had read it and everything, if we were smart enough to pass the entrance exam, and if we had read that booklet, we were going to pass the yeah. exam. They just wanted to make sure that you read that booklet. They wanted to make sure you knew the seriousness of the situation, that you better damn well. Understand that you are defending something that's a lot more lofty. You're defending an idea instead of a person. Okay. All right. So I go through, uh, I go through the academy. Yeah. And they, I could tell you some of the little things that they did, like when I remember when Agnew walked in and the guy next to me gets up and bumps his knee and he ended up washing out and I didn't even stand up for him. He <laughs> 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 just barges in here. And Wait, so who, who walked in? Vice President Agnew walked into this room. Oh, okay. And it's just a regular room with a government clock on it and I'm sitting there trying to write down with the environment looks like what kind of a suit he was wearing i didn't stand up for him because i was having to write things down yeah my partner he stood up bumped his knee and tries to do a salute and everything else we're in full uniform without the gun yeah empty holster yeah anyway anyway i get through the academy two weeks two weeks out of the academy well i'm in the academy and just before i get out of the academy they tell me, they give me the specifics of the gun that I have to wear off duty. Okay. And I am told that if I am caught off my property without my weapon, I would get docked three days pay. Three days pay done if you don't wear your gun. So you had to wear your gun all the time? Yes. I s- 
somebody said, what if you're going to go swimming? What do they say? Put it in your wife's purse. <laughs> Whoa. Your, your grandma, and I kept the shirt, took and sewed a buttonhole right here. So to button in, in your shirt, shirt to make shirt. sure that so you can that carry. Could, well, no, this wasn't going to swim. So then I could uh, unbutton my shirt here. Yeah. Reach in. I wore an inside Beretta holster. Yeah. And I could grab my snub nose like that and pull it out if I needed to. Oh, okay. And so she she sold those buttonholes in so I could do that. Yeah. And uh, and it was a uh, uh, thirty eight chief snub nose. There you go. And that's what the FBI and the CIA and Secret Service were carrying as off-duty weapons at that day, at that time. Had to qualify with it. So you had to go to the range. You had to prove oh, your yeah. proficiency, oh, all that oh, stuff. Oh, Chris. I mean, like I told you on the last interview before, you know, I remember being at that range, and I remember thinking, okay, you know, two years in, the, in, in Japan and the Philippines, and now I'm married i know what a breast feels like <laughs> i can do this you know boom i understand now yes i get they it they put us up at the firing range and they would put just a black ink wall about the size of your eye socket on a, in the middle of a white piece of paper take it out there how far away 50 feet because 50, 50 feet this is close range you're going to be too close you've got a snub nose snub yeah nose aren't, yeah pretty aren't that accurate but here yeah. you had here you had your service revolver though and not the snub nose surface revolver which i believe was four inches <coughs> and it was uh, 38 we had then okay uh they later changed the 357 okay magnum when i was in the border patrol it was 357 and they here's how you qualified you had an instructor here instructor here either side of you either side of you they just got through taking a good slurpy drink of water mm-hmm. so their mouth was all nice and moist mm-hmm. and you're sitting there and you got your 38, and you got 18 rounds. 18 rounds in front of you. 18 rounds. Okay. And you got a less than a minute to get each round off. Okay, less than a second. And, you ha- and each revolver has six rounds. Six rounds. Yeah. And you shoot six rounds. Pop, 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 pop. Eject. Yep. Load up six rounds with the offhand. So you had to go... Right. Or... Uh, or strong hand, strong hand, off hand, strong hand. Strong hand, off hand, strong hand. So six with your strong hand, eject, load, six with your off hand, reject, load, six back with your off hand, and you had to do it, and you had to get every, all 18 rounds in a circle like that. About the size of your eye socket at 50 feet. At 50 feet. And even if you had a crack going out, it was considered out. Wow. And if you're going to be next to the president, you had to be able to do that. How many times did it take for you to pass? Oh, I passed. I got the certificate in there. Yeah. Yeah, I passed. So how, did, you, did you have multiple attempts to pass? Oh, or? you didn't make it on the first one, of course. I was going to say, no, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I, you shot and you shot and you shot and you shot. Yeah. Until, and I had it down to where I would come down and I was, and as soon as that buzz hit, my first round went off and then, 
I was already into my trigger pull by the time you'd have the recoil, and by the time I was coming back down on target, I was... And the butt of your handle would hit your off well, palm. if I was there or if it was off or whatever, but anyway, I was on target. And, and in the Secret Service, when I was in, they had, they had it lined up to where the, that black dot sat yeah. right on top of the target. So you didn't have to measure where you were in the middle because you were already lined up to where it sat on top of the... Oh, gotcha. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. If you yeah. shot there, you're going to hit center. Yep. Okay, so yeah, that was an advantage that you had. So all my shooting is a point, boom. Yeah. It's like a, so if I was going to, if I was going to, at 50 feet, if I was going to hit right here, yeah. I'd line my side up right here. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Okay. And so eventually I got that and I got my certificate. And uh, that's one reason why I ended up at the president's hideaway office next to the president. That's one reason. That was another reason. I didn't want to go to the White House. Only 10% of us were to go to the White House. 80%, 90% of us were going to go out on embassy detail. Embassy detail as in other countries' embassies. No, other countries' embassies. Other countries' embassies. On embassies. embassy row in Washington, D.C. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And patrol and embassy personnel and things like that. Yeah. That's where I wanted to go because that's where I knew the action was going to be. Mm-hmm. Because White House is actually quite boring. Quite boring. Oh, look what you got to go through to even get into that place, you know? <laughs> I don't want to go there. All the stuffy shirts and all that stuff. Stuffy shirts, a lot of the promenade. <sighs> it's, uh, it's more about the look than it is about actually protecting. And so anyway, so I'm there my first night. I'm having to work midnight shifts. So you're you're really in happy. the White House at this yeah, point. I get assigned to the White House. I complained. I didn't want the White House. I said, "Listen, I'm at the I'm at the lower ten percent of my class academically, <laughs> and you put me at the top ten percent that's going to the White House. Why?" And he says, "It has nothing to do with academics. It's how you profile." And I had somebody tell me one time, "says You profile because you don't intimidate." Yeah, you won't be intimidated. You won't be intimidated. Yeah. Okay. In other words, if I tell the president to get away from the window and he doesn't do it, I'm going to physically take him away from that window. Yeah. And I'll use whatever force is necessary. And if he wants to fire me and cuss at me, he can go ahead and do so. Yeah. Um, I didn't give any thought as to whether I could. I was really that type of a person. But that's just the way that you profiled through their own system. Yeah, and so I'm two weeks out of the academy assigned to the White House on the regular pushes. I remember the first night I fell asleep on my knees, and they told me, you can't do that. You're fired. You get caught doing that again, and they showed me how to show hold a 50-cent piece. And an old-timer told me, he says, when you get off work, go buy a roll of tinfoil, or if your wife has it for cooking, get some electric tape and go buy an electric fan. And then when you go home, Put the tinfoil around your window with electric tape, turn the fan on, and go to sleep. Okay. What was that for? What, what did that... Stop t- Chad and Brady from waking me up with all the noise they were making. <laughs> okay, so it was... <laughs> so, oh, Chad, that Chad Oprah crying out loud. I mean, <laughs> talk, talk about a challenge. <laughs> so he was basically a, a noise... Brady, you tell Brady to be quiet, Brady would be quiet. You tell Chad to be quiet, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it was basically a noise-canceling device. Yeah, because okay. the, the, the fan was just steady and then the room was pitch black. Okay. And then if you had to open up the window, it was still dark enough, not enough gotcha. outside light. Okay, coming okay. In. 
Because you were working, you were working graveyard. Graveyard. Well, I come off graveyard. Okay. Week, and then I'm on days, and I'm going through days, and this is really nice mm-hmm. days. And I've got this breezeway into the president's living quarters. And <laughs> the president's, and the president and his, um, I want to make sure I have certain names right. Sure. Okay. Anyway, so the so president, yeah. Some on. context. The president at this time is none other than Richard Nixon. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you are Secret Service detail for President Nixon. Yes. Okay. You, okay. You're, you're working graveyards. You're falling asleep. They're telling you to put tinfoil up, and okay. you're trying to figure out how the hell to work with President Nixon. Well, I, I know Getting acquainted. I've, been, I've been trained, but now I'm, but I'm, I'm still a trainee. So you're you're in the status. orientation phase. I'm still in the orientation. You're in the orientation phase for the first year, basically, okay. and, and really tight for the first couple months. Yeah, and so I'm on a post. I'm on a post by myself, but I okay. get pushed off. But it was a very safe post. It was way back in. It was a breezeway. You're all by yourself in this breezeway, and uh, and then there's a door. The breezeway, and there's a door about right to there. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of that whole door was and, and the breezeway door was open so it's about 15 feet away yeah about 15 feet away was this breezeway door and the doors were open okay because the president and uh, nelson rockefeller had just walked through okay okay and uh, <laughs> i saw him and they'd walk through nelson rockefeller yeah nelson rockefeller and the president <laughs> okay okay they just walked through <laughs> okay saturday morning I don't know. Okay, Saturday Just morning. The name drops are amazing for me. Okay. Well, Nelson Rockefeller had breakfast with uh, Nixon quite often. We used to say he's getting his orders for the week. Orders for the week. Yeah. All right. Okay. It was, was just a joke. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway, gotcha. Nelson Rockefeller <laughs> and and President Nixon to walk through, and they're with two agents. Okay. Okay. Personal detail. They, these were Secret Service agents on the president's personal detail. Like, okay. With the president, president's never alone. Okay. Okay, the pre- uh, Secret Service saw, even in his own quarters, he's there on the other side. Always of the there. Door. Yep. Yeah. And so down there, and there's a little elevator that takes him right up to the visiting, to the quarters. Okay, so it's the, the family to, quarters. The family quarters in the White House. In the White House. Okay, gotcha. Okay, and I'm in the breezeway to the. the I, they, they had an oval staircase and they had an elevator, and I forget which way it was. I don't remember now at that time. Okay, all right. I wasn't, uh, had not been given the detour, detailed tours at that time. Okay. So anyway, they walked through, so I'm sitting there, and I thought, okay, I got the president behind me. All but right. But there's two agents with him. Mm-hmm. But it's me, and then the two agents, if you're going to get to the president. Yeah. Now, but before you get to me, you've got to go through all kinds of stuff. Yeah. All of a sudden, I see this man walking towards me in a dark, in a dark suit. My ears itching. So here's this guy walking to me. Well, they had given us pictures of the staff. Study these pictures. But don't worry about it too much because everybody has to have their White House pass on, even the president's staff members. Yeah. Even Halderman yeah. has to wear— Every single person Every person has, has to, to have—, have is supposed to wear that tag. That ID it's to just indicate that they, who are, they are allowed. Who they are, their name, yep. has their little picture on it. Yep. So you can look at it. There's a picture, kind of like a driver's license. There's yep. your picture. You are allowed to name. be here. You're allowed to be here. If you're the press secretary, it says Ron Ziegler, got a little picture, everything else, everything matches up. You look, you let them through. Yep. 
Okay, so here's this man walking towards me. He's got his manila envelope in. And he walks up and he sees me, and I step out and get in his way. And he looks at me and he says, I'm Ron Ziegler. I says, I need to see your pass. He says, you're one of those new guys. You need to know who I am. I am Ron Ziegler, the press secretary. He just called me, president's press secretary, and I'm on my way up. And he got this manila envelope. Yeah. And I says, I need to, I'm sorry, sir, but I need to see your press pass. I mean, not your press pass. Your, your identification. Your, your White House pass. You're supposed to be wearing it. And he goes to walk by me. And I put my arm out like this, and he knocks my arm out of the way. Yeah. And he walks by. And he's wearing, a, you, you know, you had, back in those days, you had a double-pleated suit coat. Mm -hmm. and you had a single. Yeah. He had a single, and I could see his belt. Yeah. To this day. Yeah. Brown belt. I reached out. You reach out. Grabbed him by the belt. Yanked him back, very direct. Hand on the cuff. Just like my grandma, just like my grandpa threw me into the river. There you go. You You're going to throw the press secretary oh, yeah, into the I river. Just, <laughs> nope, I just threw him right up against the wall, kicked his legs apart and told him he was under arrest. <laughs> He's looking at me because I got... Yeah, his, his face is all squished up. I look up. down the hallway and there's the president and Nelson Rockefeller, and the president's jaw is hanging down on his chin. I mean, his chin's hanging down. He's, he's just goth, He's just guffawing at, like, yeah, what's going on. And immediately the Secret Service start giving me hand signals that I understand. Yeah. And that is to stop and cease immediately. Yeah, like, cut it out. This is the press secretary, you Still idiot. Point, they recognize him. Yeah. And I see, the, and here this manila envelope is on. The floor. Oh no! With certain papers out, stamped, stamped, secret or confidential. I don't remember to this day. Kind of halfway hanging out of him. Yeah. I immediately let him loose. I don't pick up his paperwork. Uh -huh. I make him pick it up. I'm not, you know, I my training. He picks it up. He looks at me and he says, "You're fired. I don't want to see you here ever again." The president said you said this to you. No. Or Ziegler said this to you. No. Ron Ziegler says this to me. Okay. Secret Service is about from me to the. To the bathroom. Okay. You're at the end of the bathroom. So about, about 10 yards away. Oh, uh, 10, 15 yards away. Yeah, okay. Somewhere right in there. And uh, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Oh, wow, did I goof. <laughs> so he goes and he unruffles himself and he goes in there and, and uh, they go back up. Mm -hmm. They don't even come back out. They go back up. Yeah. Or they go somewhere. I don't know where they go. Yeah. Next thing I know, the Secret Service comes over to me, and he says, you'll be getting a relief in just a few minutes. Stand by. Okay. And when you get your relief, go write your report. So you have to do the paperwork. I thought, I don't know how to write a report. <laughs> so I'm sitting there for maybe another five minutes. President's gone back up to the residence. I mean, I yeah. shook some things up there. Yeah. So... My relief comes and it says, you're supposed to go down to GQ right now, General Court. I mean, uh, G2 was the, um, where they do all the paperwork and stuff. Okay. Right now. I thought, well, I got to go write my own report. That's where you're going to be writing your report. I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know how to write. I'm going to be writing in front of people. Yeah. I got to be able to make a phone call home to Stella and have her tell me how to spell a word. But yet, this is all top secret. I can't share it with Stella. Yeah. 
oh man, I'm in trouble. I'm fired. <laughs> I've got to go back. And when I, I hope my hod carrying job is waiting for me or that painters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm out of here. He your goose, it me. sounded like you felt like your goose was cooked. It was cooked. Yeah. I, I was totally convinced at that time that I was out of there. Yeah. You're done. I'm done. All right. I go down to GQ. Why they let these girls come to work with micro mini skirts on? I can't. <laughs> Chris, I'm sitting in a chair across oh from this God. beautiful intern or whatever. Uh, with her, fortunately, geez. her legs were crossed. And she's got this micro mini skirt on, oh my and God. she's taking my statement down yeah. in shorthand. <laughs> Okay, so she's taking you got your a wife and two children. You got a wife and two children. You know, yeah. just remember that you got a wife and two children. <laughs> oh my God! And so, uh, uh. and so, <laughs> the report was everything that happened. Yeah, and it was made up, and uh, made up as in it was finished. And, you, did, you didn't make then, it up. Gotcha. No, he. She types it all up. It yep, looks made nice. Up for you. It's, yes, yes, it's yes. It's like I wrote it. My name down at the bottom. All I have to do is just sign. sign. I don't know, over the top or underneath my name, and mm-hmm. boom, and it's done. Yeah. I kind of make up a copy for myself, uh-huh. but you don't get to keep your own memos. You're in the Secret Service. Everything yeah. belongs to them. Yep. Every memo is on secrets, White House Secret Service paper. Yeah. So it's something you just don't. Oh, I'm I gonna to pocket. Take, I'm gonna yeah. take a copy for myself. Okay, so so the next day I come. Nope, nobody's firing me. They put me on another post. I finish out the day. I go home. Nobody's fired me. You're I still show, on. I'm still. I show up for work the next morning. Well, they bring us in, and you get the president's schedule. Now, now here's what you're taught in the Secret Service. Okay, it drives Nora crazy. It, it drove your mother crazy when she was a teenage girl. You get up in the morning, you you think of what your assignment's going to be, and you know what the president's schedule is, and then you go to the worst-case scenario. Yeah. What's the worst-case scenario that can happen, and you, and you train your mind. To think in the worst-case scenario. In the worst-case scenario and work back, because you already know what the best-case scenario is. Yeah. Now, you know what that does for your wife when you're trying to go on a trip or something? Yeah. Oh, my God. Guys are crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's just, sorry. It's yeah. what it is. So we go in to muster in the morning. Get in there. You have to be there early. They close everything up. They pull the blinds. They do the, the doodah. And they tell you, here's what the president's schedule is. And here's where your assignment is. Yeah. Now, you think how you're going to handle that. And the president will be doing this. And they pretty much have his schedule down pretty tight, what he's doing, meeting with and everything. Yep. So my assignment is the, is Ron Ziegler, press secretary's office. <laughs> There's so a Secret <laughs> Service post right there for so the you, press secretary. You have to help guard the guy who you just apprehended. Well, I'm to keep track of him. I don't send him. My job is, yeah, yeah, my yeah, job yeah, is yeah. to the president and the first family. Sure. But I have to keep track of these guys that they don't get outside. As an extension of your, yeah, yeah okay. And so the watch commander says, everybody's going, says, uh, Officer Williams, uh, come up and see me before you, before you head out to your post. 
I go up there, and of course, he's looking at me. He's just got this big grin on his face. And, and who is this? Is exactly? This is the watch commander. Okay, gotcha. So the watch commander says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Says, yeah. Uh, uh, assistant director Youngblood says, good job. Youngblood was assistant director of the U.S. Secret Service. He was the one that was assigned to Johnson when Kennedy was shot. He's the one that threw Johnson down on the floorboard and laid across the top of him. To protect while, while Kennedy, when, while when Kennedy, Kennedy was shot. shot. Johnson told Youngblood that he was fired and never wanted to see him again. Wow. So Youngblood kind of knew what was going so, on here. So Youngblood was the one who threw Johnson down, protected him during that whole thing in Dallas, yeah. and then got promoted. Yeah, he ended to up the assistant. assistant director of the U.S. Secret Service. And Johnson fired him yeah. at the spot at that time, cussed him out. Well, Ziegler did the same thing to me. Yeah. And I'm only two weeks in. And he says, good job. Now, and he says, and when, when he shows up, don't you stand up for him. You make sure he's got his badge on. Yeah. And you're talking oh, about Ziegler. Ziegler. Oh, man. I'm, I, Chris, I am sweating. <laughs> Literally sweating bullets. Dude, blood. that must I be mean, so intense. Oh, I go up there and I think, I got to take over this post. Yeah. And Ziggler's going to be showing up sometime. Uh-huh. And hopefully I get pushed off during lunch or something. Yeah, when please, he comes. please, no. Something happens yes, because please, you, get, no. you get the breaks and everything. So you go to the restroom and all this. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. hope it's, um, hope it's during one of my pushes. So you don't want to be assigned to Ziggler because of what happened. I don't want to have to face this guy. I'm not there on that post more than 10, 15 minutes. And I look and coming through the door and everything. It's Ron Ziggler. Yeah. And Ron Ziegler stops, he sees me. And I just looked at him and I thought, here we go again. I'm, I'm going to have to make him put his pass on. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I'm going to get fired again. Oh, maybe I could, okay, I recognize him. Maybe I should just let it go. What's my decision going to be? I'm yeah. trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure it out. And he looks at me and he reaches in, pulls out his pass. And sticks it back. Pins it on his lapel. Oh, there you go. Walks through like I don't exist, and I just nod. Yeah. I don't stand up. Come on, post. <laughs> you don't stand up because you have to write things down. You have to write into the log. This oh, who's, who's coming in, who's yeah, not. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. position to where you have to stand up like you're guarding. It's not mm-hmm. the president. He's coming to work. You're, and you're an log- info guy. Yeah, I'm logging him in now. Yep. And I have to sign my name after every entrance of everybody that comes in and out. Yeah. And so he goes in and... There I am. Yeah. And I go through, and the next thing I know, I've got the president's hideaway office <laughs> in the EOB building. <laughs> now another challenge comes. So you're in the hot. So the hideaway office is. In is the executive office building, which is across Executive Avenue. Okay. And every president has a hideaway office. Yeah. And that's where they go. That's where Watergate, a lot of Watergate stuff went on in the so I don't, I don't want to jump into that just yet. There's one more thing that I want to get to um, before we get into the Watergate stuff, uh, which is I, I'm flabbergasted that I have to acknowledge that with, with you in a, in a very cool way. Like acknowledge what? Acknowledge the fact that you were involved with that. Involved with what? Watergate. Oh, yeah, I signed them in. Well, I didn't <laughs> sign them in. I, I signed a bunch of them, and I had to verify my so, phone. So, I mean, I'm not saying that you were directly implicated and involved in that entire scandal, but what I'm talking about is, like, it's it's cool for me to have a grandfather that was, you know, a part of, you know, 
U.S. history. Punch in Rodney F. Williams, capital A-N-D, Watergate. Rodney F. Williams. Secret Service, Watergate. All right. Rodney F. Williams, Secret Service, Watergate. Uh, I have you... Let's see. Are you a doctor of chiropractic in Little Rock, Arkansas? No, 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 no. White no. <laughs> House. Uh, it says, it looks like there aren't any great matches for your search. Okay, then they took me <laughs> off. Good. I'm not on anymore. <laughs> there you go. Okay, good. Um, okay, so before we get into that, uh, I want to talk about something that has circled around the stratosphere or the atmosphere of our family for a long time. And you mentioned this earlier, but there is something that, or a rumor, so to speak, involving the Resolute Desk of the president. Okay, first off, the president did not have the Resolute Desk in his hideaway office. The Resolute Desk was in the Oval Office. In the Oval Office. Okay. Okay. But he had a desk. In his hideaway office. In the hideaway office. I told your mom it was a <laughs> I told your grandma it was a resolute death. Trying to Okay, so I, I want to I want to give some context to the whole uh, idea. So you okay. so I know that you know what I'm talking about. Okay. But there's a lot of people that don't know what we're talking okay. about. So you tell me that story. I want to know that story okay. because I, so to give you some context and some backstory of what I know about it. I had heard this rumor that you had <laughs> basically conceived my mother in the White House on the president's Oh, desk. no, I haven't heard that well, one. Oh, okay, come I on. I conceived your mother. Okay, no, well, no, yeah, listen. The, the, the calendar was right on that, yeah. <laughs> okay, and so I heard this rumor for a long that time. That had to come from Chad. Okay, I don't know if it was from him or not, but I heard it. And I was like, "There's no way that this is the cool. This is the coolest thing that I've ever heard in my entire life." And so, when I was a senior in high school, after I had graduated, me and Brady's oldest daughter from Polly, okay, her and I came over here for our senior trip. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. And I asked Grandma, "Why aren't you using my granddaughter's name?" Uh, because she has requested not to. Okay, so I won't use it either. Okay, then. so... Uh, That's why I said, because I was ready to blast her yeah. <laughs> So it was during that trip, and I had worked up the courage. You know, I had graduated from high school. I'm a man now. I need to tell, I need to ask Grandma the hard-hitting question, because I had heard about this rumor and everything else. And so I went up to her, and one day we were just kind of just hanging out upstairs, and I and said, you asked your grandma. And so if here's what I did. Your mom was conceived on the resident. <laughs> oh, man. Were you wearing armor? <laughs> I was. Yeah, and I, I and hope he, so. And I said, I was like, Grandma, I've been at, wanted to ask you this question for a long time. And I didn't and hear this story. <laughs> I asked her, I was like, okay, so listen, I have heard this rumor for a long time. And now that I'm out of high school, I want to know if this is true or not. Did you or did you not conceive my mother on the president's desk? And she paused and she went beet red, as red as my sweatshirt. And she said, I'm not going to say anything about that. 
So, you have to go against Grandma on this one. Oh boy! All right. So I'm I'm leaning towards I'm leaning towards Grandma at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> It was Saturday or Sunday. I think it was. I think it was a beautiful Sunday day. We had oh, a baby this is starting off amazing. Okay. Um, your mom was not yet pregnant with with Kelly. You mean my grandmother? Yes. Your grandma was not pregnant with Kelly. Yet. Yes. Okay. But it was right at that time, and it probably happened on that day. Okay, so. I probably got things stirred up. Yes, I uh, will confess to that. Okay, so here's what here's the truth. Here's I, we're gonna make it straight. Okay, everybody in Romania and all over the world is gonna know. All of all for one thing, the resident desk was. And I, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure that was even in the Oval Office at that time, but it definitely was not in the President's Hideaway Office. It was not in the Hideaway Office. It no. was in the Oval Office. I, the Residue Desk. The Oval. Okay, so you're talking. No, about, where I took, where I took your, your grandma. Okay. Was the I Hideaway took, Office? Yes. Now, oh. Okay. Now before we do the Hideaway Office, I got to tell you something. <laughs> okay. Every intern in the White House wanted to go into the president's hideaway office because there was only, I think, a 10 people, a handful of people that were cleared to go in there because that was a very secure place. Yeah. You couldn't take pictures and stuff in there. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. This is where the president would knock down a few a few beers with Gorbachev or somebody, you know. Yeah. Well, Gorbachev wasn't around then. But basically the... the Brezhnev. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. we're going to knock down a few beers before we go out there and get all official and everything. Yes. And we can do it here because it's my hideaway office. It's safe. It's my man cave. Yeah, the president's man my, cave. It's the president. You can say that. That's it. Yeah. Because in, as in the entrance part where you'd wait, he used to put up all the cartoons that... <laughs> That the news media would use against him, making fun of him. He had them all. <laughs> President Nixon? Yeah, so people could entertain themselves with his with the cartoons before they came in to talk to him. He had a little refrigerated area. I knew. I used to keep track of his booze. I knew exactly what it, I kept track of his soap that was in his bathroom. Okay, so here's a few questions. I have two okay. of them. What did the What did President Nixon like to drink? What was his go to booze? He liked wine. Okay. Okay, he liked wine, and he liked, um, uh, I don't know if it was, I think it was gin, but he liked uh, martinis. Martinis. Yeah. Okay. Dry. Dry martinis. He liked wine. What kind of soap did President Nixon use? I don't remember. You don't remember? I Dang have it. no idea. I don't remember. Uh, Such a dirty man, you would think that he would have, like, some sort of specific. <laughs> I think I think he wore Fruit of the Loom underwear. <laughs> Know that fruit of the loom. I don't know if it's fruit oh of the loom. Don't quote that. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, it's official now. I don't I, care. I, I, saw, <laughs> I saw his underwear one one night. We had to help him help him to bed. You had to help yeah. the president to bed. Oh yeah. Okay, well, take a pause yeah, before we yeah, talk about yeah, consummate. Okay. Pat wouldn't. Uh, Pat wouldn't uh, put him to bed that night. Okay. So he, okay. So what's that story? I have never heard that story before. So you How had the president got drunk. I mean, every man has a has a time when he just needs to just. Let it loose, and he let it loose that night. <clears throat> it had a little too much, and we had to help him to bed. You had to help President Nixon to bed. Pat wouldn't have anything to do with him, and I remember we're getting his trousers off and getting him into bed, and I'm looking, Ooh. Fruit of the loom. <laughs> I'm not sure. 
It was before Haynes. I think, you know. Uh, I remember thinking, hey, I've worn that brand before, but I'm not sure what the brand was. Anyway, listen, that's that's something personal that I shouldn't have put, shouldn't have mentioned because you know every man, I don't care who you are, yeah, you have your rough moments. Oh, of course, absolutely. And, and you know, I've really had a rough day. I just got, I really got beat up, you know, today. Yeah, and uh, I've knocked a few too many down, and I got to get to bed. You know, mm-hmm. help me out here. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I yeah, my and I get over there, and my wife's mad at me that I, you know. <laughs> Anyway, it was a, I believe it was a Sunday afternoon. Okay. Or a Saturday afternoon. It was a warm day. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, when I first got to Hideaway office, they told me that I really needed to be careful. And one reason why I got it is because they knew that I was faithful to my wife. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of panky-panky going on in there. We used to call it one of the nicknames of the of the uh, executive office building was the penthouse. Penthouse. Yeah, I mean. So I mean, it, I I know that I think most people understand and probably aren't surprised at the idea that there's a lot of the hanky panky. Oh yeah. That goes on and, in the and White love, House. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. Airline stewardesses love the Secret Service agents. <laughs> Southwest Gate. Oh yeah, they love Secret Service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, this is so cool. I don't need to say much more than that. <laughs> well, let's put it this way: when I was going to when I was going home from work in the evening, I'd have the evening shift, and I'd be getting off, and we we would park over by the Washington Monument. Yeah. And I would be going out. That's I believe it was the Southwest Gate. And I would just focus my eyes straight ahead to where I knew my car was parked, and I'd walk, and I'd say, I have a wife and two sons. I have a wife and two sons, because these airline stewardesses, they wanted to play, and they wanted a Secret Service agent to play with. Oh, my goodness. That's the truth. And at that time, it was burn the bra and get a miniskirt on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway... I got the president's office, and I was there about a week. Hideaway office. So you had the clearance to get into the hideaway office? Oh, of course I did. I yeah. had to open it up for everybody. Yeah, okay. And uh, so I'm going to tell you three things that happened at the, pre- at the hideaway office. Okay. So I'm there, and there's this intern, beautiful, busty gal. Okay. And... She was looking at me, and these girls would come up, and, of course, they're wanting their families coming to visit. And these girls were all daughters of very wealthy men that have contributed to the president's campaign or something. And mm-hmm. so this is kind of a payback, and they're just there to look pretty. Yeah. To a lot of degree. And then some of them are very good. Like, they take shorthand. It depends yeah. who they were. Some of yeah. them were, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, this one gal was looking at me, and so one day she comes. I, I, I knew she was going to make her approach to see if she couldn't take her mom or dad or somebody or boyfriend or whatever. To go know, see the hideaway office. To see the hideaway office. Yeah. Everybody wanted to see it because it was off limits, and that's yeah. why. Yeah. And my job was to make sure they didn't. Mm-hmm. And there was a breezeway, and there was Sally Inge, who was a secretary that sat, and she was an ex-airline stewardess. Yeah. And she was hired by Halderman. And she would sit there, she's a blonde gal. 
she didn't really like me because I was very strict. Yeah. Let's put it this way. Uh, if I would have, if it would have been me, Bill Clinton would have never have had an affair with Monica Lewinsky <laughs> because I wouldn't have ever let her in. You know, they, they had really relaxed things. Anyway, wasn't going to happen. Not on my shift. Yeah. So I'm there. So this gal comes up. And she's got a plate of cookies, Chris. Plate of cookies. Got a plate of cookies. And she's got one of these very fashionable, almost see-through sweaters that hang over your shoulder to where you can, you know, and it uh, okay. shows that you don't have yeah, a bra yeah. strap or something. Gotcha. Only instead of hanging over her shoulder, she just had it loop straight down on the front. Wait, so she was like bearing her boobs at you? Well, it was uh, in between all the cleavage and whatnot. Oh, okay. And so she all comes right. over and she brings this plate of cookies and she sets it down and starts talking to me and asking him if I would like these cookies. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking, how am I going to handle this? <laughs> now, we had, a, we had what we called a little bag that we carried with us when we were being pushed. And a lot of times, if I was on my break or something, I had a Book of Mormon in there. It was one of the regular missionary books of Mormon. Sure. I was very missionary-oriented. Mm-hmm. And I carried it in this bag. Yeah. And I'd read it on my lunch or something like that. Okay. Well, she comes over, and she gives me this plate of cookies. And then she leans over the desk. Oh, my gosh, Chris. <laughs> Those things are swaying this way, and then they were swaying pendulums. Just <laughs> <laughs> all the way to her belly button was a view. Oh my god! Yeah, oh my god! Oh, and she's so giving great. me these cookies, and she's inviting me to her apartment. I mean, all kinds of stuff, and I know what's coming next. I just kind of put up my hand, and I just. I said, ma'am, I says, do you like to read? And she says, well, of course I, I love to read. I says, I'd like to share with you a book that I've read that I, I just think is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and she and says, you so gave her the Book of Mormon? Yeah, copyright. Yeah, I got it and I gave oh. her a, the missionary Book of Mormon. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> I was never, I was on that post for about a year. I was never, not one intern ever showed up at my desk and offered me cookies after that. <laughs> so, but, oh, that's so but cool. being as strict as I was, there was one lady in my life yeah. that had control of me. She mm-hmm. was my neck, you could say, that turned my head. Mm-hmm. And so she was really curious about the hideaway office. The hideaway office. And yeah. I said, okay, honey. The president, I know where the president's at. It's been announced. So the whole world knows that he's at Camp David. Yeah. So I can tell you he's at Camp David. Okay. Okay. It's no secret. All right. We can get into Camp David a little bit later. So how would you like to see the president's hideaway office? Oh, I'd love to. I says, I'm going to take it. So I take her in. So of course, cool. I have the key. Uh-huh. And there's nobody on duty because the president. Is at Camp David. Is at Camp David, and it's a weekend, and Sally Inge isn't there. It's another working day. Mm-hmm. So the secretary is not there, and everything is just locked up 
hallways are empty and everything else. Matter of fact, I think it was some kind of a holiday or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, I knew there was no cameras. I knew there was no cameras. <laughs> so I uh, unlocked the door. Take your grandma in. Lock the door behind you. <laughs> take her into the office. Your grandma is just amazed. She's going through this. She's she's looking at all the cartoons, and then when I take her into the office. <laughs> she's looking at the cartoons. Oh yeah, she's going through, and she's looking at the family folder that President Nixon had there with his family. She's just amazed. And I'm sitting back, and I'm I'm letting her look at everything, you know, and I'm explaining this to her and everything else. And, yeah. And uh, and I said, stay more to the middle of the room. Don't get too close to the window. <laughs> And of course, the window had the blinds on it and everything, but I didn't want to. <laughs> you don't want to risk it. <laughs> yeah. I got my wife in the president's office that nobody's supposed to be in. I get, I'd get fired. Yeah. And then I get this idea in my head. <laughs> I don't think that you got the idea in your head. I think you had the idea in your so, head. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so I take, I take your grandma after she's looked and everything, and I give her a kiss and I get a little romantic with her and she's just kind of looking at me. <laughs> so I set your grandma, pick her up and I set her on the desk. And I says, honey, this is the president's, no, I'm telling you the truth here. This is not right. 64. This All is right. the president's resident desk. And it's rumored that him and Marilyn Monroe had a hoorah here. On his desk, Kennedy and Marilyn. Monroe. I mean, Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe had mm -hmm. a on his desk, and she's looking at me. And I give her another kiss. Now I was lying to your mother. It wasn't the resident desk. Oh, okay. So you're to grandma. Yeah, to your grandma, not okay. your mother. Your grandma. And I reach up, and your your grandma was wearing this beautiful white blouse. Yeah. You know that she was that with ruffles. Okay. Beautiful. And I start unbuttoning, unbuttoning her <laughs> blouse. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stop it right. No, 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 no! You don't have to stop. This is yeah. this is the incredible no, I think for I me. Should stop it right here. All right, if you if you want to, that's fine. I it just I just I just want to let you know that I am not uncomfortable in the slightest. I think this is amazing. I'm worried. What your grandma's going to do to me at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm sleeping. <laughs> She's going to come back. And, and what you've got to think about, you're downstairs in the bedroom that your grandma used, and her ashes are down there. And <laughs> so you better think about whether I should take this any further or not. <clears throat> <laughs> if you would like to proceed, I am all for it. So it's, okay. up, to, it's up to you. Do you, know, do you really know your grandma? Well, I knew a little bit more when I asked her that question. Okay. Uh, you have full responsibility of what you say, by the way. I'm going to tell you something. There's one person that guessed it perfectly on how Stella would have reacted. And she's sitting directly behind you. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know if it's a 640. <laughs> I don't know whether to give you a 60-40 here or, or, or... No, here's what your, your grandma... Okay. I'm, I'm getting her, and, and 
your, your grandma was, was tempted. She, you know, this is very romantic. I mean, she's sitting on the president's desk, and, <laughs> and this beautiful hunk of a man is, you know, romancing her and unbuttoning her blouse and giving her little kisses and stuff, you okay, know. Yeah, and yeah. Where is this going to go, you uh-huh. know? And, and then she says, listen, you're above this. Straight in the eye. She says, you're above this. She took my hand away from her blouse. She buttoned her blouse up. Tempting. You didn't do it. Nope. You didn't do the doodah on the desk? I did not do the doodah on the desk. (sighs) That is official. I am so disappointed. I'm sorry (laughs) to disappoint everybody. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Uh, I have said to people that that was the case, that that actually happened. And I'm glad that we have arrived to a spot where it's verifiable with, you know, one of the people involved (laughs) with that situation. And your your grandma looked at me and she was very romantic with me in the sense of, I understand. And the temptation is there. Yeah. And I said to her, I said, well, look what you can tell your children one day, (laughs) you know, Now, here's what I will say. You can take nine months to the day from that day and your mother was born. That's where it starts to get a little uh, interesting. (laughs) We'll leave it up in the air then, it sounds like. You can leave it up in the air all you want, but I'm going to tell you something that your grandma looked me in the eye and says, you're trusted with this office. Yeah. You're above this. Okay. All right. I'll accept that. Chris, it didn't happen. All right. Yes, I'll accept that. Is. I'll accept that, but yeah. I will continue to tell people. You can tell them what you All want. the way up until this episode airs, I'm going to tell people and, that, that it happened. And your grandma, you <laughs> embarrassed her, but she, she said, oh, what in the world is my husband doing? She never did come back and talk to me about that. Well... That's something you're gonna have to. Yep, but take I up with her. I took her into the office. I set her up on the desk, and I started unbuttoning her blouse, <laughs> and I was ready to. You know, I was. How far am I gonna go here? <laughs> she, you were about to be the Kennedy to her Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> I was protecting the Constitution of the United States. <laughs> you were upholding your oath. Oh, that's amazing. So what if we so call yeah. what if we called it there for the night? What do you think? We can call it there for the night. I have a few other. <laughs> we can start up service, again. Secret <laughs> service, interesting points. Yeah, let's like call it I, there. When I caught Sally Inge going through the president's briefcase and turned her in. All right, I'll tell you what. Let's let's pick up on that story tomorrow. Okay. All right. Okay.